This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. This week, we've got another 50 Years of Chelsea special. And again, it's another special one because it is the year or the season 2005 to 2006. Uh, Another title-winning season, a back-to-back title-winning season. My God, will we have some good memories on display tonight. And I am Stanford Chidge, of course. And as ever, I have with me the um, efficacious Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Isn't the word effervescent? No, not this week. No, okay. That was last week. Ever chicken, effervescent. <laughs> um, um, thank you, thank you. Efficacious. It means that people listening to me will will be will be cured, will be uplifted. I like exactly. That. I, like that. I don't thank use you. my words unintentionally. You know, I'm not Simon Jordan, people. mate. Thank you. No. <laughs> hey. Woo. Oh, uh, topical. Great to be on the show. Great. I've recovered from the the one we did the uh, the other day, the 2004 five, which was possibly the longest. Um, the longest program we've ever done, two parts, which just went but wonderfully, a wonderfully emotional and great to as as uh, as Mark so beautifully put um, in one of his preces of it. Jonathan got all emotional because I can't help it. I just find myself in these situations when the team do wonderfully, and it makes me very very uh, emotional. But anyway, yes, um, and of course that leads beautifully on to our next guest, who's with us. I met our guest who's with us, who is part of the team. It's almost not no longer a guest, almost an inevitable an inevitable um, inhabitant of the, the Chelsea fancast world. It is, of course, the uh, the brain of Stamford Bridge. It is, of course, Mr. Mark Mean. Thank you very much. And good evening, everybody. And thank you very much for listening into tonight's show. Whenever you do, wherever you are. And I think thanks also for the feedback to the last show on 2004-05 season. Hopefully, over the next few hours, we can replicate some more golden moments uh, under the stewardship of a certain Jose Mourinho. Mm, yes, I'm looking I'm looking forward to this one almost as much as I was looking forward to the last one. Um now before we do all of that, uh, a quick little plug-a-rooney uh for our our much uh kind of 
Well, I mean, it needs a bit of love. I don't give it enough love. But we do have a Patreon page. And uh, that means if you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron. And you can patronise us. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. You can patronise us in any other way you like as well, if you want. But uh, it helps me to cover the costs of running all the shows that we do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and enables me to carry on doing all the shows we do, blah, blah, blah. But, it, I mean, we, we think it's a rather good show, I have to say. Plus the fact, you know, I like the fact that we've created a wonderful community of people and it's a way uh, for us to keep in touch with you. And uh, on that point, if you do choose to donate uh, a little amount every month, um, that's, as I said, as, uh, there are no tiers with this. It's no, uh, it, it, There's no hierarchy or anything like that. You just either want to donate something or you don't want to donate something it's that simple um and if you do you will get uh, a Kerry. if you want one you'll get a kerry dixon banner that's a, a replica a little mini replica of the one that hangs in the matthew harding and you'll also get to have membership of our discord group hence the community angle which has actually got a lot of really good people in there um it's been a bit quiet recently because of course we've had the world cup um but when Chelsea are playing, it, 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 it goes mental, particularly on a match day. And it's a great place to meet up and have a chat with decent people. You know, you don't get any idiots or wallies in there, apart from when I turn up, obviously. Uh, anyway, if you want to join our Patreon group, it is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. I thank you all. Uh, now, on with the show. Uh, and of course, JK, we always start with the kit for this year. And I am delighted to say that we have as our new home kit... What I, I, it, this is without doubt one of my all time favourite Chelsea kits. And there's a reason for that. I think it's a very beautiful design uh, by the lovely people at Umbro. We've got proper white socks, which is hugely important. It's the proper royal blue, which is hugely important. But it's because it's our, I mean, this is always a bit weird because I always thought that 2004 5 should be our centenary year, but it seems that Chelsea decided that 2005 6 was our centenary year so to celebrate that fact they had these beautiful kind of gold flashings down the side of the kit but of course the best thing about it uh was that it had the well it's the it's a new badge but it is an it, it's very close to the original 60s bat well 60s to early 80s badge which of course we we love and dj campaign to to get back so it's got the new badge the bates millwall lion has fucked off thank god uh, and we've also got a new sponsor, Samsung Mobile. So there's so much to love about this kit. I love this home kit. The Away kit is a weird kind of... It, it's kind of supposed to be like a very light blue with black shorts. It, it kind of... It always looked like dirty white to me when they play, but it is it is, <laughs> it is, is blue. And I, and I see that they've done what be- becomes quite a pattern, really, over the last couple of years and going forward, which is last season's Away kit gets relegated to the third kit albeit that it's got the new badge on this year but otherwise it's the same so what do you think of the kits mr kid uh fabulous yeah fabulous fabulous um first team kit as you say the the second and third kits are dubious beyond belief um but the third one is just the second one i think it's just saving a bit of money really or just trying to get rid of the stuff that's still in the club shop um but the uh the gold was was um I mean, obviously, it wasn't very difficult to put something as 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 attractive as that on a shirt because you are. It's a celebratory colour to have something gilded, but it just made the made the shirt look uh, um, special. In a way, we were managed by the special one. We had a special shirt, and the badge was genius. Um, and I still don't know how they got around the copyright. Actually, uh, uh, perhaps Mark has 
has an, uh, some views on that because um, it, it, it's very similar to the original badge and yet clearly not similar enough. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to use it unless they paid Nessa Bramovich paid for uh, paid the the original designer or the family of original designer a sum. Whoever it was, Bates owned it. Did Bates own this original badge? And because he didn't know, he didn't he didn't own it, did he? Because he didn't want to pay for it. That's why he created his own badge. So, uh, uh, but the badge is the one that we've had ever since, and it's classy and will never ever be changed. One hopes. Uh, I I can't see how they how they could change it or why they want to change it because um, it's traditional, but um, at the same time, the colours are great in it. And the very fact that it always has a bit of red and a bit of yellow in it means that one can always justify there being a bit of red or a bit of yellow in the um, in the kit. But yeah, top, top kit. Fantastic. And in fact, I think it got quoted somewhere as being all blue, which it isn't. They played in white socks all the time. It was a it was a um, it, it's and it's the right blue colour, as you said, Chich. It's it's proper stuff. It's it's a great kit. Mark, you know, do you, can you can you enlighten us about uh, the badge? Because I mean, I know you told us a bit in the last show about it because we did mention that the, it had it actually it had actually been agreed to change it, hadn't it, last season? But of course, this is our first kind of sight of it. Yeah, just uh, what I said last time. Obviously, the original Chelsea badge that we all know and love so well that the nineteen seventies team played with um, is owned by Viscount Chelsea, also known as Earl Cadogan. And uh, Cadogan was one of the people, I think he sold his shares to Marler Estate. So I don't think there was any likelihood of Ken probably doing business with him. That's probably why the Ken Bates badge came in. Um, it's similar, but it's not quite. So I have no idea if Abramovich you know, did any kind of sort of fee to the Cadogans. I don't think Cadogan needs any money. He's one of the richest men in the country. Um, but it's just such a really good badge on a really good shirt. It's a classic shirt. It's a classic Umbro design. Um, they did really well. And I actually like all three kits. Um, the marketing people were quite clever as well um, because they started the 100-year celebration the previous season because we talked about the event they had at the Butcher's Hook because the club was actually founded in March. And why they've obviously carried forward and commemorated it in this season is our first competitive game was played um, 100 years earlier, either in the September or October. So the marketing people were a lot better than the marketing people have come, say, in future sh years, shall, shall we say. Um, what I like um, also, the second kit, it's got a great colour. It's actually sterling blue. You know, not Raheem sterling blue, just sterling blue. And the actual kit description is sterling blue with black shoulder inserts, hems, and cuffs sounds divine you know with our hems <laughs> and our cuffs and our, our insert but all three kits all really good kits um it, most of us will probably call it a sky blue kit but it's actually sterling sterling blue and so three very good kits but that first kit very very special with a very special badge with a special manager and a special team which we're now going to talk about over the next few hours we will indeed uh, i mean I, I you know i kind of decide well i'd got grown a bit old really to get shirts but i did get one of these i did and i've actually i actually used it in subsequent years to, I, I i got it signed by most of the Mourinho era squad not Ooh. not not at this time but uh a few years hence uh so by about 2010 11 12 maybe around then about but i kept the shirt 
uh, and I got that one. So that one's hanging up on the wall behind me, and I've got another one of the, I think it's the Champions League era home kit, which I also got signed. So, uh, yeah, one of my favourite kits. I'm so glad I, I, I chose that one first to get signed. So I obviously knew without knowing, if you see what I mean. Anyway, let's talk about the football. Ins and outs, as always. Um, in came uh, Asia Del Horno. Uh, from Atletico Bilbao for eight million, Rion Bertrand had to be mentioned because he he transferred from Gillingham for one hundred twenty five thousand. James Smith uh, and Michael Mancien came up from De Youth. Lasana Diara uh, was transferred from Le Havre for a million. Sean Wright Phillips was the big signing in some respects. Uh, he was he came from Man City for twenty one. Million and the the big saga of the summer was uh, was us uh, trying to sign Michael Essien, which we finally got done for uh, a record fee of twenty four million four hundred thousand on the nineteenth. Now the reason why some of these players came in were that quite a few went out and they were quite surprising. Really, it wasn't really surprising to see poor old Mikel Forsell go to Birmingham for three million. It just hadn't really ever worked out for him. Uh, the Finnish Michael Owen. Uh, Scotty Parker decided he wanted to play football and not sit on the subs bench, so he went to Newcastle for six and a half million. Uh, dear old Matea Kesman, also known as Baldrick, he went to Atletico Madrid for five million three hundred thousand after a season where he huffed and he puffed, but he couldn't really blow anybody's house down. Bless him. Uh, against his will, really, Thiago uh, went... I say against his will, it sounds like he was in prison. But uh, Thiago was transferred to Lyon uh, for £6.5 as a make-weight for Essien. So he, he was he was deemed expendable compared to the mighty bison that Michael Essien became. And uh, Stephen Watt, who ha- I think he played in the last game of the season, he went to Swansea for free. So I think the upshot of it is, JK, a much more... Uh, you know, not as I mean, we we described last season's transfer window as arguably the best transfer season, transfer window we had ever had. Uh, this was a bit more surgical and precise, I thought. Not massively exciting, although Sen was exciting. Hardly anybody was transferred, were they? Really, in no. comparison, you can't with last season. There was a thirteen that went in and out. Um, Stephen Watt, by the way, was the centre half who played in the FA Cup game, if you remember, yeah. and uh, who. Um, Killy didn't impress because that was the end of that. Uh, Swansea was, I I thought that this was the beginning of possibly being selected for the first team, but no, I think um, what what we're going to get onto is that uh, they were just trying to substitute those who had not done well for those who would do better because Kesman, bless his cotton socks, despite having done wonderfully in in the um, Eurodivisie, whatever it was in in, uh, Holland, uh, just couldn't replicate that 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 ability that he'd had um and so he was off which was was you know it was quite surgical really you thought he hasn't done very well he's gone no chance of a second season um scotty parker didn't didn't play very often wanted to play uh and, and consequently played for england of course so perhaps he made the right decision um uh tiago as you say against his will uh i thought was pretty decent Pretty decent, but they, uh, Mourinho obviously decided he wasn't what he wanted. He wanted somebody more explosive and uh, um, uh, and a better player, basically. And he he certainly got him in Essien. That really was uh, a, a brilliant signing. Poor old Forcell had done pretty well. I think we're going to discover that 
that this new breed of Chelsea just wouldn't couldn't cope with having um, people who had been not bad. Uh, they had to be absolutely phenomenal, which is as I keep talking about the the attempt to get world class players in every position. But then it creates problems how you keep them satisfied for the whole of the season, which is indeed one of the problems I found with the whole season. Um, Sean Mike Phillips um, this season actually played very well when he came on, but subsequently uh, deteriorated and became, uh, whether he lost confidence, I don't know, but became mere shadow of this, the excellent sub that he became because he was mostly a sub. Um, uh, Del Horno was a, a victim of his own ineptitude because he ultimately just lasted a season. But we Spanish he, international, though, of course. He, indeed, but we thought he was going to be top banana and of course, he was in for Wayne Bridge, poor old Wayne Bridge, who'd been crippled by Alan Shearer, who then came back for a period but wasn't fit enough and went off to Fulham for a on loan to try and get his fitness back. Um, because that tackle that happened in the Newcastle game was was frightful. And uh, uh, the referee was nowhere to be seen, of course, uh, as we will discover this season as well, when there are several challenges that go on where the referees appear to be on another planet. Um, and also seemed at some stage to start victimising certain Chelsea players for challenges that were very innocuous indeed. And Diara is uh, uh, has a great journey, which doesn't unfortunately um, include Chelsea, really. I mean, but, he, he was seen as a, as an understudy to Makaleli, wasn't he? Really? He was. He yeah. was. He was the great. He was supposed to be the, the, uh, 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 the, the, the man who would come in in the season, I think. But he didn't. He never, never quite came up, came good. Really, so it was an interesting transfer window. Of course, Ryan Bertrand was to do great things in 2012, um, uh, and Jimmy Smith, I think, plays once. Uh, and Michael Mancien was similarly another great hope, and then ended up at Wolverhampton, where he seemed to do not badly, but um, they never quite. Do, do, do you know where he is now, J.K. Michael Mancien? He's still playing. Is he really? Well, yeah. yeah. But Burton Albin, he's still playing, and. He's now, because he played for England from the age of 16 to under 21. Yes. Um, he, he was in a in couple the, of squads, wasn't he? He was in a couple of squads, but he never made, obviously, um, an England full appearance. He's now a Seychelles international. Mm. He's played three times for the Seychelles this year. Mm. Yeah. He went to Wolves, of course, didn't he, for quite a while. I mean, Mark, um, JK, as always, makes brilliant points. I was thinking, actually, about the transfer... Of, of T I mean, OK, Tiago was a make-weight uh, in the SEN deal, but I think more pertinently, make-weight in a literal sense, because I think JK makes a really good point there that Mourinho was after a particular kind of player. And I think this is where we see that Mourinho decides that we need power and physicality in a lot of the players, because actually when you play A in the Premier League, you need it. Uh, but B, actually, in terms of a style of play, it was very much what he was after. And SEN absolutely fitted that bill. I mean, there was a reason we called him the Bison, wasn't there? Uh, and also the connection Mourinho continues to have with SEN after he leaves Chelsea as well. Yeah, he, he, he plays for Mourinho at Real Madrid, if I remember rightly as well. SEN was a top draw signing and we were after him the whole summer. It was a shame to see Thiago go. I thought Thiago was a very good player for Chelsea. Very good player. Very, very good, good player. player. Yeah. yeah. And, and got some important Classy. goals. Class act, Mark. Real yeah. class yeah. act. But you, you see it in Essien, as you say, different kind of player. It gets replicated when um, Ballot comes along as well. We become a very big, strong, powerful team. 
in our in our midfield and it enables Lampard to get even further forward and pick up more goals. Um, I think other things to add just about this transfer window. Yeah, I was sorry to see Purcell go, but it just never worked out for him. Uh, Yuri Yarosek actually went on loan to Birmingham as well. So we talked about it on the last show. We had Purcell, we had Gronkiar, and we had Mario Melchior at Birmingham. And Yarosek went there on loan this, this season as well. Alexis Smerton, he went off on loan to Charlton. Charlton, yeah. yeah. And um, Charlton were a decent Mar- side that year, this year. And they, well. were de- they were a decent side coming up. They, they, they crossed us a few times. And then we talked about Nuno Moraes on the last show. And he went to play in Maritimo in Portugal. So there, there was quite a few outs as well for sort of lesser players as well. And I think Felipe Oliveira, I think we talked about on a show when Ranieri was manager, we cancelled his contract. You know, so we just paid him up and he, he went as well. So there was, there was a few ins and outs, shall we say. But I think the most important one was Essien. Yeah. On Sean Wright Phillips, I don't think Sean Wright Phillips did too badly in his first season. But Jake no, no, right. I agree. I said I, I, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think, he he yeah, pinged lot, the ball in very well. Yeah. From he was very good at getting centres in from situations where you thought where the ball's going to go out of play, and he'd make yeah. a big effort. And you thought that that's why I'm I'm bemused as to the yeah. the disintegration of him in the following seasons, where he became a real shadow of his former self, and and then was the was the veritable um, small boy chasing a balloon. And I like Kesman as well. I don't remember it. Um, probably about a year or so ago. Uh, but um, Kesman appeared on social media um, and he's got this grey shaggy beard now. Now, if, if you search it, you'll find it. And he's now completely covered in tattoos. So, you know, they're all religious tattoos. I think he was um, a Serbian Orthodox. So that, that, that was his faith. Um, and at one point he said he was going to become a monk as well when he retired from football. But Kesman's actually said, he, despite being Dutch Player of the Year, and that's why we signed him, his greatest memory was with us. And his regret was... He thinks he probably left Chelsea too soon to join Atletico Madrid because after that, I don't think he did a great deal, you know, in his playing career. I could be wrong on that, but I um, think he had any say in the matter, Mark. That doesn't sound. I, 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 I suspect, you know, like many footballers, he'd probably want to stay, and the manager saying, "Sorry, you're surplus to requirements." But, yeah. but we didn't sign. I wouldn't say Sean Wright Phillips. He's a direct replacement. No, no, Kessman. but they didn't need to because they got Crespo no, in. He, he, Crespo he, well, oh, of course, Crespo. I was going to say no. Right. No, yes, Philip, yes, Phillips yes. was a was was yes, cover yes. for Duffer and Robin because, yes, of course, yes. we 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 well, Mourinho figured out that they were made of glass. But yes. you're right. I think Kesman, Kesman, yeah, Crespo was back. Well, that's yes. the point. I, I yes. mean, for me, you know, it wasn't a new signing because we, we'd loaned him out to AC Milan where he'd narrowly uh, missed out on single-handedly beating Liverpool in the European Cup final. But uh, he came back, and um, for all of the other memories of this season, for me, my abiding memory of this season is Hernan fucking Crespo, because I loved him. I loved him, I loved him, I loved him. Wonderful, wonderful player. Wonderful. Agree with you completely. 100%. Completely agree. This, for me is the Crespo season. Yeah. He, he brings back, you know, when I was watching the videos, so many of those memories of that season are attached to Hernan Crespo yeah. and the goals he scored. Yeah. Hernan Wonder- Crespo, Hernan Crespo, hello, hello. He had a great song too. <laughs> well, there we well, go. Brilliant ability, brilliant ability to, uh, um, you're, we're waving a programme at yeah. us. Yeah, it's the first programme of the season and Hernan Crespo's yeah. on the cover. Because also the marketing people, we went gold 
on our program as well. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Nice touch. We did, we did, we did. All right. Can I just? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go on, J.K. I I think, I think the problem it created a big problem in the team though, having three great strikers playing. Well, Ida was the one to really miss out, wasn't it? Yes, yes, because yeah. Ida was great. Uh, let's, let's, and I, by the way, I got it wrong at the end of the last season. I said that it was the his miss. I mean, his miss definitely put him in bad odour with, uh, with, with Kenny. Against Liverpool. Against Liverpool, mm. but he didn't. He, he was transferred at the end of this season. He was transferred, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, and it was this, I think it was the accumulation of these things and the fact that he wasn't playing in the first team. But um, uh uh, Ida was just great. Ida's a great player. Was a great player, yeah, and and the fact that he, he that we suddenly saw different permutations of him not playing, of Crespo playing with Drogba, of Drogba playing one up. I think um, harmed the season for me. Well, there's a yeah. I I think you're right. I mean, they, they, I mean, he. Well, we'll get it. I'll tell you what. We'll get into the whole. We're going to get into it, but I thought I'd just give it a. No, it's, no, no, it's nice. I'm not not admonishing you at all. I mean. The, the Drogba-Crespo thing comes up early in the season, actually, exactly what you're saying. But before all of that fun and hijinks, uh, we had pre-season, Mark's favourite uh, part of the season, where um, <laughs> Chelsea played in May. They beat Suwon Samsung Blue Wings in the Suwon Cup 1-0, clearly a sop to the new sponsors, who were, of course, Samsung. Uh, we beat uh, we beat Wickham Wanderers 5-1 in a friendly. Wasn't it lovely to see us play... You know, an English team rather than buggering yes, off somewhere in England. In yeah, England, I know, I know. But we did bugger off. Oh, exactly, Mark. We buggered <laughs> off, didn't we? Uh, I, I yeah. think, I think it was, uh, it was America, wasn't it? I know. I think, I think we played Benfica in the in the you know Stadium of Light or whatever they call it, uh, one nil in a friendly, and then we went off to the states uh, and we played in one of their mental international World Series things, and we beat AC Milan. I just say a sec. I always felt that that um, Sunderland calling their stadium the Stadium of Light. You compare that with Benfica, which is clearly a proper Stadium of Light. I always felt was just slightly taking the mic. They should have called it Stadium of Pollution and Darkness, really, shouldn't they? Like that. No, Sometimes. no, that's Middlesbrough. Oh, yeah. Well, 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 <laughs> okay, well, 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 okay, do you know what? They should have called it the Stadium of Meccano because, as you know, they're Mackhams. So they make things and the other lot packs them, don't they? Packham and Packham. Packham and Packham, yeah. That's right. Stadium of Bacano. Anyway, moving swiftly along. Yeah, we played Benfica over there, 1-0. We won. And then we went to the States and we beat AC Milan 1-0, DC United 2-1, and we drew 1-1 with Milan. Uh, do we Do we know why we played AC Milan twice? Because was we could. In, yeah. Was it in different parts of America? I have maybe? no idea, mate. I don't yeah. remember. May yeah. I just say here that I know that we, we're normally very... Um, uh, dismissive of pre-season friendlies. And we say they don't really matter. It doesn't really make any difference. However, when you have a pre-season where you don't lose and you play quite well, it is a positive. So it's very tricky to to make the assessment. It's like when we lost 4-0 to Arsenal this year and it actually dented Tuchel's um, tenure to the extent that I think it contributed to his exit. Well, the, uh, the whole the whole summer tour to the US did for Tuchel. It did, it did. It was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. So I think these things can have a um, an impact, and the very fact that we played so well in these games and didn't lose, I think, was was very beneficial. Mm. I think it shows you that this was a team at the top of their game and a team yes. that were playing one hundred and fifty percent for the manager, which is, I think, true on both counts. Now. 
you think that the pre-season friendly matches are important. They bear no importance at all considering to what happened on July the 23rd, Mark. Oh, uh, this is a case for Nipper of the Yard. A serious crime took place. Uh, our mascot, we talked about on many shows, Stamford, who's still part of the Chelsea Max Day experience now. Stamford was kidnapped from Stamford Bridge. And it was so serious, Chelsea actually put a, an appeal out Stamford's return. Bizarrely, he turned up at Watford's Vicarage Road Ground 10 days after his kidnapping. Now, the question I need to ask is, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, where were you on the yeah. evening of the 23rd of July 2005? Can I say you were not the only man to ask that question? <laughs> I was sent several emails by people <laughs> saying, you have stolen it, haven't you? You have stolen the... Co Can we just say, it wasn't actual Stamford inhabited by yeah, yeah. A, uh, an actor. It, it would have been brilliant if it was. Though, it was, it? that would have been great. <laughs> it? Yeah, it was the costume. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I, 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 I at the time thought, surely this is an overreaction. Surely they don't have one costume. There must be several at this stage. Abramovich must have several of these costumes. But perhaps he didn't. Perhaps it was run separately. Who knows what happens with these marketing devices but um, uh, yes, I, I had to. Um, somebody got really quite beady about it and said, "I think you might be the you might actually have stolen it," as if somehow I wanted to <laughs> appropriate it for my own use. Why I don't know. Um, so I had to defend myself and give an alibi. I was, I was off off somewhere. Um, for people listening who don't know, I was I was the first Stamford. This is why this story goes. I actually uh, I donned the costume at the very beginning of its inception and was. Um, a very energetic Stamford indeed, running all over the place and uh, uh, bizarrely high fives hadn't been invented. So I shook people's hands and kicked the ball into the net and bowed and and rushed up to players and shook their hands and uh, um, and waved at all the West Ham fans. I remember who was and was asked, who the fucking hell are you? And um, who's the wanker in the lion costume was shouted out at great, uh, great volume. Um, when did you stop doing it, JK? Very, very soon after I started, I got I got sacked for because I charged a tenner every time, and um, they wanted a tenner in 1980. Was oh, oh my god, you could you could go into town and have a slap up meal in a top Mayfair restaurant and go away with the young lady of your choice um, for a tenner in 1980. No, it was um, it was because uh, I treated it as a professional professional engagement but then they got a guy who'd retired you just strolled about it was bloody difficult wearing that costume let me tell you and um but yeah no i lasted about five weeks and then they just there was was informed by hugh hastings who was the go-between who got me the job in the first place that i was uh surplus to requirements and they got a bloke who came on and um strolled about with great difficulty because the boots were practically impossible to run around in there's all plastic and oh dear but um and hooks and eyes Hooks and eyes, Mark, in an era where Velcro had yet to be invented. But there we are. So there you go. Do you know, do you on, know what Chelsea should, Chelsea should do? At the same time, as obviously when Stamford first appeared on the pitch, um, he actually appeared in the Chelsea programme with his own column. Yes. Yeah. Now, I would urge people to go back and read those Stamford columns. And I think it was probably from about 81 to about 82, 3. I think it finished up by then. It ran for Cups some of Stanford's columns were absolutely cartoons. Funny. The cartoons they were cartoons, and yeah. car they were so funny. They were excellent, weren't they? Whoever did them, I don't know who did them. Absolute genius. So Chelsea should bring Stanford. I know they've got them on match. Bring his cartoons back. 
Stick it in the programme. Very entertaining. Well, there you go. But for avoidance of doubt, Jonathan Kidd is innocent, okay? Just let it be yeah, said to the I, record. I, yeah, well, I'd is that a bit like George Davis is innocent? It is, but we're not paying... But did, did, did Sham 69 do a song about Jonathan? No, well, I don't know. Maybe they should. I asked, I asked a friend to go down to the pitch and spray it all over the all over the grass, but and, he... and dig up the centre circle like they did. Yeah, in but he wasn't allowed in. He asked permission. Indeed. Anyway, moving on. Uh, right, we're going to start with the football now. Now, obviously, because we were the champions, we had won the title last season. Who knew? So that meant we were automatically in the uh, Community Shield, and uh, this this meant that we played Arsenal, who were the FA Cup winners. I think they'd beaten Liverpool. And, uh, of course, it was in the Millennium Stadium because uh, Wembley was still being rebuilt. Um, for the record, uh, we won 2-1 uh, with two goals from Didier Drogba uh, and uh, one from uh, Chesk Fabregas, Del Horno. And we should actually say that probably one of the best names of a player ever at Chelsea is is Del Horno. You know, he could have dropped the Asia and they would have been perfect, Del Horno. Anyway, both he and Wright Phillips made their uh, made their debuts. Tiago made his final appearance. Uh, Drogba was immense, wasn't he, Mark? Absolutely superb. And it gets replicated a couple of times after this game. A couple um, of times for the rest of his Chelsea career <laughs> against this lot. No, 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 no. This player. Um, Arsenal had a centre-half called Philip Senderos playing centre-back. And just the whole of the 90 minutes... Drogba just terrorised him. Uh, I think, you know, Philip Senderos is probably, I think he was a Swiss international, he's probably somewhere in Switzerland. And the mere mention of probably Didier Drogba sends a cold shiver down his spine. Yeah, he, did um, that to, he did that to Sigan as well, didn't he? He did, he did yeah. it to a few Arsenal yeah. defenders, but Senderos, I think, was the most memorable. The first goal's superb. Yeah, Drogba takes it down his chest, lobs it over Lehman. And the second goal, and we talked about it on the last show, and this is probably the changing Didier Drogba this season, because we talked about previously a few times where he dived. Drogba, you know, could have easily gone down. Because once he sort of brushed past Senderos, I can't remember, it might have been Torre might have taken him down. But he stays on his feet. And as he's falling, you know, he, he actually hooks the ball into the net for the second goal. Um, and it was just a really, really good day down in Cardiff. And obviously said on the last show, I was gutted to miss the sort of um, League Cup final, so I was determined to go down for this one, even though it was the Community Shield or the Charity Shield. Uh, and a friend of mine was actually living down in Cardiff at the time, um, big Cardiff City fan, and he lived a mile away from the Millennium Stadium. And he lives in an area of Cardiff. If you know your Cardiff history, you know your Welsh history, there's a place called Landaff Castle. And he lived in Landaff, not far from the Landaff. castle. So, Landaff, sorry, Landaff, not Landaff. No, yeah, Landaff. Oh, Clandaff, sorry, yes. Yeah. My Welsh is very good. Yeah. Bloody so, Irish, you're all the same. Uh, absolutely, yeah. We, we... Where's the Celtic <laughs> brotherhood when you need it? Oh, I don't know. I hate <laughs> bloody Welsh. Yeah. So we we went down to Clandaff um, and we and parked in, in his drive. It was very kind of him. He had the bacon sandwiches ready for when we got down from London. He then kindly dropped us into the city centre. And Carlis City Centre is a great place for um, pre-match beers. But the beauty of him doing that is one of the things about Cardiff, it's great when you're down there, but it's a bugger getting out afterwards. And we talked about that on previous shows. Um, so Clandaff wasn't far from one of the M4 junctions. So he said, park on my drive. I'll pick you up after the game. And then you've got a quick route um, out of town to get back to the motorway. Now, it's a good job Wembley did open and opened on time. 
because I wouldn't be able to go back there anymore and park on his drive. Because who did he sell his house to? He sold the house to a famous Welsh musician by the name of James Dean Bradfield. By that popular Welsh combo known as the Manic Street Preachers. So if I went back there and James Dean Bradfield tolerated me parking there, obviously the Chelsea fan cast would be next. <laughs> Very good. Very good. For a minute, I thought you were going to say Tom Jones. I'm quite glad you said Manic Street Preachers. And, and one of his neighbours is well in Clandaff at the time was Charlotte Church. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, so Clandaff now, if Charlotte is still there, he's over one with oh, Welsh celebrities. There you it's go. It's rather a posh area, it is. clearly. Yeah. Oh, it's very, it was very nice, I have to say. Very nice part of Cardiff, Clandaff was. I think it was either the... Uh... Uh, the Carling Cup final or or possibly the Cup final against Arsenal. But me, Psycho Phil Martin et al. Uh, went down there. And I think we parked up at Hlandaf, uh Rowing Club. And uh, because Martin and Phil were big rowers. And uh, Phil was very ill because he'd had about three curries in, in two days and a skinful. And uh, I think he did the biggest shit ever recorded in the rowing club's uh, lavatories. And I can't remember which final it was, but I don't think we're welcome back. I think that's the that's kind of what I'm saying. It's probably it's probably the 2002 game. I think after. it. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. the interesting thing is after the Carling Cup final of the previous season, we vowed never to go back to the Millennium. We decided that was it. We just didn't want to be stuck on the M4 coming back ever again. So I didn't go to the Community Shield. And in fact, I didn't go to the League Cup the next season. But that's for another day. Right. We kick off the uh, Premier League proper with an away trip to newly promoted Wigan, uh, which is a bit of a turn up for the books because they had uh, been in kind of third, fourth division obscurity for many, many years. Uh, apart from, I think, beating us in the Cup one year in, in the 70s or the 80s, Mark. They beat, they beat us twice. twice. Um, they, beat, they beat us in 79-80 when Tommy Gore, oh, I think came from Naughty Ash. Was he played for Spurs? Yeah, some... No, no, no. no, was, was, no. He a did, was he a Diddy man? He, he might be a Diddy man. I'm sure he's from Naughty Ash. And there was that memorable lazy-ass press journo photo for some bizarre reason the day after the game. He, must have, he might have been a postman previously or something. They had him standing on a post box outside Wigan's London Hotel. And the next time we played them, I think was, I think the 81-82 season, we just knocked out Southampton from the League Cup. Um, and we went to Wigan at Springfield Park and we got beat 4-2. Yeah. It's just shocking. But we used to have a lot of shocking cup We did, back but then. We, we, we were no longer that Chelsea, of course. We were now the champions of England. Different, different. And there was a bit of a different Wigan now. To their credit... I think Paul Jewell was their manager, if he I was, remember right. And they've done well to come up to the divisions. And I think they ran away with the championship. So, yeah. You know, well, good, I good mean, Jose was very interesting before this because he was saying that, you know, we were going to take it as seriously as we would if we were playing Liverpool or Man United or Barcelona. Uh, clearly trying to G the players up. It's a good job he did, actually, because Wigan gave it a right go and we got away with it, basically. They had about two or three really good chances. Until uh, the absolute brilliance of Hernan Crespo with a 30-yard screamer on the 90th minute uh, meant we won 1-0 and took all uh, three points. So we got the season off to a decent start, although we'd kind of slightly got away with it. Interesting bit of news uh, so f uh, of the season so far was apparently Ricky Carvalho uh, had had a pop at Jose uh, in an interview for uh, for not really getting any game time. 
Jose being Jose, of course, had a pop back and said, uh, well, that's odd because I spoke to him last Friday and he didn't have anything to say to me then. Perhaps he needs an IQ test. So, yes, <laughs> so Jose on fine fattle already. Now, the next. I just say I was at Wigan. Yeah, please do. The Go joy on. of of seeing Crespo burst the net in the mm. way he did was uh, was uh, uh, not unparalleled because it's always lovely to see your team score in the last minute. But it was such a great goal, and uh, and and really, and uh, announced him for being back for the rest of the season because it was such an immaculate strike, quite brilliant. But um, uh, no place for good Johnson, as we've said, and uh, um, and yet it was an interesting interesting selection in that he. Uh, he insisted on having um, Gallus playing in the centre half position, but that wasn't to last. Well, that's why that's why Ricky C had the hump Ricky because playing, yeah, 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 because yeah, basically Ga- Gallus, Gallus, and uh, Terry had become the established centre back pairing. Uh, Asia Del Horno was uh, playing left back uh, because Gallus clearly wasn't, and Paolo Fuewa was uh, was right back so you know we it was pretty well it, it, seven out of ten paula yeah always, uh, love him beautiful hair beautiful was it brendan rogers would have said of him beautiful man a beautiful man um mark you wanted to chip in with something oh just a couple of things on the on the cavallio i think when we did the four five show didn't he not start some of the games at the start of that season yeah, as well so yeah. you know maybe really i might have thought he was a slow start the other thing if you went to the wigan game did you go dancing <laughs> afterwards jk a bit of Northern Soul up in Wigan. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the opportunity, Mark. Of course, I was invited. He was wearing down. flares, if that helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had my little, yeah, I had my little, um, my little uh, uh, pop top on as well to wear. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I had a wig that was a um, had a bit of a mullet on it. So yeah, I was I was happy to do it. But no, uh, we we uh, we got the car back pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, there we go. Um, right, the next match, uh, it massive significance because number one, uh, Arsenal had, uh, you know, they were runners up to us last season, of course. So we expected them to be our main rivals for the title this season. Of course, we played them in the Community Shield not a week or so before. Uh, and of course, we still have a, a horrible record against Arsenal. Uh, we didn't really, we spent, spent so many years not really beating them. So this was a big, big, big match, wasn't it, J.K.? Um, I remember first win for ten years. Chief. Well, we won one nil, uh, absolutely, with a goal from uh, from Didier Drogba. Um, it was also Michael Essien's debut. Um, but I remember this. This was this was tense. You know, it was a big, big win. The funny thing was, though, I mean, you know, Crespo started the match. Drogba came on. Uh, and he scored a hilariously freaky goal because I mean, it was a beautiful through ball by Lampard, of course, and uh, it basically bounced off his shin and went past Lehman. I, I swear to God, if he'd hit that properly, it wouldn't have gone in. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it was he lovely. had several shots before that he should have hit the target, and he had been some decent saves from Lehman. But uh, but this one was just an absolute farce. It just uh, he was looking the other direction. He just hit him on the leg and b- bounced into the net. Yeah. yeah. He was almost apologetic, but it was damn fine to see. So we'd already put a marker on on, uh, on Arsenal, which uh, was always going to be important. And we have another home game following that, a midweek game. But JK, you, you got something to say? I wanted to make a point. Yeah, it was interesting that when he'd missed, he'd missed a goal, uh, a shot earlier on, and a fan had remonstrated with him yeah. rather loud in the front row. And uh, so when he scored this goal, he actually went into the crowd to remonstrate with the very same fan, which I thought was... Uh, 
was quite revealing about his personality, Drogba really, just saying, look, doesn't really look, I've scored, doesn't make any difference. But also about they played in Burgundy, um, Arsenal. And of course, this was... Because they were owned by the Duke of Burgundy? No, no, it had nothing to do with that at all. Um, it would be very interesting if that was the case. But no, it's because it was the last season at Highbury and uh, uh, they wanted to make a point of playing in the same kit that they'd worn um, uh, in the 1880s when they first started as a club. And of course, then somebody pointed out that it was actually the only pictures they had were in black and white and somebody had drawn in a kind of burgundy colour. And the chances were that it was just red. And they'd made <laughs> seriously? <laughs> yes, seriously? Seriously? I never knew that. No, I never heard that. It's superb. I never knew <laughs> that. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but anyway, they went ahead with it. And so for the whole of the season, and I have to say it was quite, it's quite, nice kit. It should have been called Raspberry rather than Burgundy for obvious London rhyming slang reasons. I'll say yes. no more. Yes, yes. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, great to beat them because we, you know, as, as JK said, it was our first league win against them for 10 years. That's, that's how people who have been listening to the recent iterations of the 50 years of Chelsea series that we've been doing will know the despair and despondency I have when talking about Chelsea Arsenal because I just got so sick of us never beating them. So I I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly it enjoyed it. great joy yeah. at the end of that. Huge great, joy. Great joy at winning that game. Huge elation coming out of the ground. I mean, I, I have to say, actually, I have an admission to make um, about this season. I, I actually, you know, unlike last season, where I have very vivid, unlike me, as we all know, I have very vivid memories of the games and what went on. I have a picture in my head of what went on. I don't remember much of this season at all. And I have to say, it has to be down entirely to the amount of alcohol I consumed this season with Dr. Mark. Um, I just don't remember many of the games at all. Having watched the DVD back, I'm thinking, I don't remember that, or I don't remember that, or I don't remember that. So I, I'm going to get my apologies in early. But you know what? I remember this game. Damn sure I did. Uh, the next one is one of those that I don't really remember at all, but I was there. Uh, West Brom at home on a Wednesday night. Uh, Mark, this was a, 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 a right... We gave him a right seeing to, I think, is the expression, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. And as we said on the last show, we either won games 1-0 or we won games 4-0. We're still doing and it. Pat- and the pattern is still continuing yeah. in the 2005-06 season. Uh, Lampard gets us um, going. Uh, most significant part about that is obviously Lampard getting two um, was that Lampard had become a father. And his daughter, Luna, had been born. And the Chelsea players replicate, can't remember what World Cup was it? Was it the 94 World Cup? Yeah, when the Brazilian players celebrated with the Beto. 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 Yeah. So all the Chelsea players replicate the Beto celebration when Lampard put the first goal in. But actually, the best goal of the night, we talked about Sean Wright Phillips earlier, is Joe Cole's goal for the second. Like Sean Wright Phillips keeps the ball in play where other players might yes. have just given given up the ghost and the ball would have gone out. And he persists, he keeps it in play and then crosses it back to Joe Cole to sort of put the ball in. So drives it back in. Drives really, it back a really in. good start for Sean Wright Phillips' career at Chelsea, sort of setting up a goal for Joe Cole. But yeah, we were very good. Um, similar to what we did to Norwich the previous season, we just sort of blew them away. Um, and very, very comfortable 4-0 victory. And we were top of the league already at this early stage in the season with only three games played. We were indeed. Uh, next uh, match was Spurs away. Uh, we, uh, you know, three-point lane. Didn't uh, 
didn't uh, cause us any trouble whatsoever. We were, we won 2-0. Goal by Del Horno on 39 minutes and Duffer on 71. Uh, notable this match, of course, uh, JK, was for Mido, horrible player, uh, being sent off after 25 minutes. I mean, I say for elbowing Del Horno. I mean, they both end up for a header and he was just all over him and put his elbow in his back. But uh, definitely a red card and uh, well-deserved. Um, interestingly, Mido had been playing like a, uh, a man possessed yeah. for the past 25 minutes and been doing nothing but fouling. And uh, 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 we all in, in the crowd were just thinking, what on earth is he doing? He's going to be sent off. And um, so when he just did this leap into the air to smash into Del Orno, but very similarly to the way that Messi smashed into one of the French players in the World Cup final yesterday, and the free kick was given to Argentina. Of course it was. Mm, of course it was. How interesting. Messi, wasn't it? Um, yeah, because it was messy. Um, but um, yeah, that kind of um, that leaping at somebody and not looking at the ball with an elbow is really likely to get you sent off for, for, for serious foul play. But Mido had already kicked Del Horno up in the air in the corner at least twice uh, in a in a in a mad way, like a and bull I'm, in a china shop, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was. There was something. He he he. Something going on, and I was surprised that he wasn't taken off. We were all saying, or some, or even, um, what was it? Um, uh, what's his face was the Spurs manager at the Martin time? Martin Martin Yol. Yeah, Martin Yol. Whether he had should have chatted to him and said, "Look, mate, you're going to get sent off," and lo and behold, he was. It was no surprise at all that he was sent off. No, Twenty-five no. minutes, just leaving them absolutely in a hole. Yeah. I thought Duffer was which great. We, we love, which we loved. By yeah, the way. of course we did. We love that. It was, I thought Duffer was great afters because he said, "Look, you know, they were going around the field kicking us all, but we we just made a we we, we remained really calm, level-headed, and focused, and didn't get involved with it, and just won, which is what it was all about." So they, yeah, it was very good. Uh, next up, uh, Duff scores. A, um, sorry, Chidge, but I have to tell you about the Duffer goal. I know you're no, 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 no. I'm not because I, 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 I'll be here all night listening to Duffer's goals because I love Duffer. Yeah. Well, yeah, in me, me too. But he mishit the ball into the into the corner. He it did, looks as a, at the moment it's a world of mishits that go in, which was great yeah. joy. Always, um, yeah. always against that lot. Uh, I, I love Duffer. I mean, I really do. And I, I mean, without getting all misty eyed and a bit previous, I I, I just I can't understand why he, he left when he did. We could have got more years out of Duffer. Anyway, that'll be for another I've show. Got, got a Mido story for you. Have you um, now? Yeah. God, he went off the rails a bit then um, after he left Tottenham. At the age of 34, he reached 150 kilos in weight. Fuck me, 150 man. kilos. That's big. That's as fat yeah. as a house, mate. Yeah. Um, so he yeah, made him vulnerable to diabetes. Um, and in five months, because it was a real health risk, he managed to lose 82 pounds, 37 kilos. So he got down to like 113 kilos. So a lot, lot better. Still big. But don't know what, what obviously... So, happened to his career that that ha- happened. So, don't know if it was alcohol, food, the good life, whatever. Playing but for Tottenham, a... mate. <laughs> Play, playing for Tottenham because he had only just signed from Roma, so that might have been one of his first games. Yeah, for, for he, Tottenham, he came so... with the reputation of being quite a decent player. Yeah. Well, he played for Egypt, didn't he? He was, uh, he was, he yeah, was he, good for them. Yeah, that's he, right. That's right. Well remembered. He was, yeah. their, he was their big signing. So they signed him from Roma. So maybe he was just pumped up. London derby, one of his first home games. Yeah, and that could be why, obviously, he got sent off so early. Yeah. But again, he never, ever scored against us, Mido. No. And do you know what? I can verify that by right-clicking. No, it's not right-clicking. It's just clicking on Mido. Click on Mido. Click yeah. on Mido. 
Uh, yeah. Seven games, no wins, one draw, six defeats. That sounds very Tottenham. And he didn't score against us, as Mark so rightly said. Right, next up is uh, another home game on the Saturday, the 10th of September. Oh, oh! Before, before we do that, we should mention... That on the second of September it was our actual hundredth anniversary. When yeah, so, we beat so Stockport of September, one nil, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we're, no, we lost to Stockport. Oh, sorry, lost lost one. Yeah, our, our first game in our history, we lost one nil to Stockport. So I think it must have been an international break that weekend. So the Sunderland game was the nearest one to our anniversary. It was, and. Uh... I should have said actually before that, at the end of uh, August, we were in first position. We played four league matches. We'd scored eight goals and conceded none. Rather jolly good. The Sunderland game, um, we expected to win fairly routinely. Uh, JK's favourite player, uh, Geremai, scored on 54 minutes. As I recall, with a a Rivellino-type shot, he kind of bent it in very low across across the ground. I mean, it was off the ground. It was, was. but he kicked it with the outside of his right foot. Lovely goal. Uh, And Drogbert scored on 82 minutes. There was a screamer from Lampard about 30 yards out that hit the bar. Fairly routine win, chaps. Anything to say about that? Where was this? What game was this one? I've missed it here. Sunderland. Sunderland at home. Sunderland, 2-0. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Robin was was, um, kicked all over the place again, which appeared to be quite par for the course this season. Um, Goalkeeper... um, uh, wasn't the first goal? Um, uh, goalkeeper throws the ball out, and that's it. it that's right. It's, it's Garamai's pot because he throws the ball out, and the goalkeeper um, and the player gets tackled, and Garamai just uh, Garamai Jeremy of just. Oh you, no! You renamed, like, you renamed him. You renamed him Garamai. Sorry, it's Garamai from now on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, and then drug bullet header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good win. Routine. I mean, Sunderland was shit, and Mick McCarthy was their manager. Go figure. Um, although they had some interesting players, just trying to look look down. Justin Hoyt was playing for them, interestingly enough, and uh, Julio Arker, who I always used to have in my fancy football teams. Actually, he was always good for them. Anyway, we digress. Right, uh, Champions League starts now. The following Tuesday, uh, we've got we're drawn with Anderlecht, Real Betis, and uh, Liverpool, the current European champions. J.K. I'll ask a question. What I was under the impression that you you weren't drawn with your your uh, teams from your home country was when did, was this something that came in the group stages? You are, you can, you yeah, can be definitely. In it's only when in the knockout rounds that they they oh, okay. they, they, they swerve it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. never happened to us since, has it? Uh, I'm trying to think. No, I, I didn't think you could in the group stages back then. And I think wasn't this the season um, that was the debate about the fifth English team being in the Champions League? Because obviously Liverpool went in for winning the Champions League. But they, they didn't finish in the top four in the Premier League. So this was a unique situation. Right. Rather, than, rather than four... No, Premier hang on, League, hang on, Mark. They changed yeah. the rules for Liverpool. Yes, that's it, yeah. So Liverpool got a bye or whatever you want to call it by winning the trophy, even though they weren't in the top four. So that's how they ended up being in the group stage with us. They didn't count as an English team. And not they're not English team. anyway, are they? They're scouts. That's why they're in our group. There we go. That that would be the risk because you you aren't supposed normally to have an English team in in your group. No, you're right, not, J.K. I, I got that yeah. utterly wrong. I was thinking it's just the knockout. They're not English. They're no, not English. No, no, he's got yeah. it right. Anyway, Anderlecht is our first match at home. Um, we I think we made hard work of this. Lampard scored after 19 minutes and and it finished one uh, nil. Beyond that, I don't recall too much about it to be honest. But I think Mark Mark's got lots and lots of stories to tell. Actually, do you know what? I, I'm I'm yeah. I don't know. 
It was. I th- oh no, Anderlecht away got stories. Got nothing. Uh, no, 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 I, I know, yeah. I know. Well, the Lampard, mm. the Lampard goal was bizarre. It was a twenty-five yard free kick, which the keeper. I mean, it bent, but the keeper flapped at it, and it kind of went through him. So, but it was a, it was a bit of a. I don't remember much about the game. I'll be brutally honest. Um, so let's move on to Charlton away. Now, Charlton were doing really, really well at this stage of the season. They were up, up amongst the top four, that's for sure. And this was actually quite a tough, a tough match. Um, Crespo on 55 uh, and uh, Robin on 60 with the scorers. Crespo hit the post after a great pass from Sien. I mean, that pass from Sien was wonderful. Gallus hit the post as well. Uh, and Sien's cross uh, for Crespo's first goal was lovely. But Crespo's movement for that goal was just absolutely stunning. And the other feature of the match that I remember was um, a Robin 20-yard uh, curler for his goal, which was a lovely goal. Um, JK? Which was um, became his trademark, trademark goal of moving in from the right with his left foot into the corner. And the number of times he ultimately did that for Bayern Munich was just to, to get them out of situations where the game was close. He would just... If you... At your own peril, if you allowed him to control the ball on the right hand, so he's always well, he'd swap wings mostly, but he'd get the ball on the right, must move in, beat a player, create room, curl it into the top corner. Classic, classic into classic. out, classic into <laughs> out wing play, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was a master of it. Robin, once again, wonderful, wonderful player, wonderful, but was suffered this year from once again being considered a diver, had lots of people, um when he got tackled, he tackled viciously and they would still, when he, when he got, was on the floor, they'd come round and sneer in his face for diving. It became a kind of, of deliberate ploy to try and put him off, tackle him hard, kick him and then criticise him for diving. I mean, you know what? Not by the media, the media. No, I, I agree. And I'm disappointed actually with this because, you know, Robin was not, he was not, you know, he wasn't hard, basically. I mean, he, he wasn't ever going to confront something. He was tiny. He wasn't going to confront some hairy-ass defender. I mean, my my instinct, even though I'm a bit of a midget as well, if a defender did that to me, I'd, I'd get up and, and, and accidentally on purpose butt him in the face as I got up. But, you know, and probably, you know, then get the shit kicked out of me. But I wouldn't stop me. But Robin was not like that. But I'm disappointed that none of the big guys in the team you know, seeing him around and protected him would come around and immediately push the defender away and yeah, yeah, fuck him yeah. off. Basically, well, to be fair, I think most of the time it's because he was miles ahead of everybody. Well, do you know what? He was so quick, you You're know. Absolutely right, mate. You're absolutely right. Um, Mark, you've got an interesting story from this game. Yeah, I've got two. Obviously, the first part in terms of the game, uh, Charlton were second in the league, so this was a big win. I know it's early in the season, but press were already sort of saying how boring we were, continuing from the previous season. And we won well, even though we only won 2-0. We won well. We played really well at the Valley this day. And I think those two goals scored by Crespo and Robin are up there with the best goals in their Chelsea career. Crespo's header, you know, like any kid playing centre-forward, just watch Hernan Crespo. The way his body turns to head that goal in for Messing's cross, is, it's, like a, it's like a work of art. It's a joy watching that goal by Crespo. And again, Time and time again this season, I love watching that guy play. Just tremendous. You just pay your money to watch Hernan Cresco all day long. And Robin's goal was a beauty. So really big win. But the other story, and I, I do wonder if he's still going to Chelsea, um, there's a Chelsea fan called Clive Peck. Now, Clive looks like he missed this game because he was getting married. And the reason why Clive was getting married is 
when we were in the second division in the bad old days of 1988-89, he made a promise to his girlfriend, who was called Bessie Suckfield, that he would marry her if Chelsea ever won the league. Now, back in 88, 90, he was probably thinking there's no bloody chance. <laughs> <laughs> but to his credit, he was a man of his word and he kept his promise and he married her that, that particular day. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. But he missed a talk of a performance because we were very good at the Valley that day. As I said, very good win, really good performance by Chelsea. They were a decent side, Charlton. And I think Kerbishley was their manager then. Oh. And I think it was also. Because it was, was Kirbyshley 600th game or something, some ridiculous figure in charge of Charlton as manager. Uh, and again, so there was a lot of hype about Charlton being second in the league, Kirbyshley, etc. And we just turned up and we gave a very good champion-like performance. Again, Charlton, which probably started in and around this game and then continues for the whole of the season, that's why we're champions. Yeah, that's why we're champions indeed. Indeed. They had a decent side, actually. You're right. I mean, Luke Young, Chris Perry, Haridison, Chris Powell, uh, Dennis Romadal was a good player, Danish international, of course. Kishishev, Matt Holland, good player. Danny Murphy. Very Matt, good player, Holland. Very yeah, good. Yeah, Matty Holland's a good player. Danny Murphy, good player, but a wanker. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Darren Ambrose. And, of course, me, Darren Bent. Yes, me, Darren Bent, as he likes to say on... Uh, on Talksport, I quite like Benty actually. He comes across quite well on Talksport when I yeah they they, they gave you a good they gave, always played very well at the Valley. They gave you a good uh, yeah. Kirbishley was a good a manager good win, and Kirbishley yeah the madness of trying to improve on on Kirbishley that was their demise yeah, absolutely right. But, but you look you look at the Kirbishley family. Yeah, you know, the, the boys done well. So Alan had a career as a footballer and a long-standing career as a manager. But Bill didn't do too badly either. No manager of the hoop. Absolutely, and uh, yeah. I, I remember Alan Kirbishley loves his cricket. When when I go to Lords, this is the JK will relate to this um, quite often with my well, actually your agent usually, funnily enough, uh, him and uh, his other media mates who are mates of mine tend to tend to rather drunkenly descend upon the Harris Gardens at the end of the day's play and imbibe because it's a champagne bar and we end we end up drinking magnums of champagne until we get kicked pims, out. Pims as well, pims. Quite possibly in the same glass by that stage pims, of the day, knowing me. And I was doing that one year, and Alan Kirbishley was doing exactly the same thing in the Harris Gardens. And a very nice bloke he is too. I had a few drunken words with him, and he was a, a decent chap. So there you go. Um, he was no longer chart char manager by then. I can haste. I haste. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Goodness me. Where am I? Who am I? Okay, so Charlton, we've done that. Now, um, after that match. Um, this is the point I wanted to make earlier, actually. Um, that We set a new record for clean sheets at the start of the season, uh, which was rather impressive. Uh, and the other thing was, of course, um, th th we should mention this. We mentioned this earlier on, actually, but Crespo and uh, Drogba were being rotated uh, to the extent... I mean, we'd already seen uh, Drogba come on for Crespo at half-time a couple of matches back, uh, and uh, Didier came on for him on, on 67 minutes today uh, on, on this match. Um, which, you know, it begs the question, why don't they play together? I mean, eventually they did. I just want to talk about Crespo for a minute. Um, you know, because the, the the media have created a narrative about Crespo. They quite often, when we the, when they quite rightly stick the boot in about the curse of the number nine at Chelsea yeah. and how utterly shit so many of our number nines are, they always include Crespo with, with this. And it just makes me want to thump them severely because it's such a lie. I mean, I would say that technically, 
as in how good he was technically. Crespo's one of the best strikers we've ever had. And his goals to game ratio was not shabby at all. And they were nearly always... I mean, he's a proper striker. He could score 30 yarders. He could score great headers. He could. His movement was... I think his movement was the best movement I've seen from a Chelsea striker other than Viali who was the best. Volleyer of the ball. Great volley. And he could score tap-ins by being in the right place at the right time. So I just want to, here and now, stop this bullshit about Crespo being an abject failure at Chelsea, because he was not. It was quoted at me during the week by somebody saying exactly that. Isn't it interesting, an Arsenal fan, uh, isn't it interesting how Chelsea destroy strikers? And mentioned a whole list of people, all of whom I thought, uh, uh, well... Um, Shevchenko, you could understand because he, he, well, he's, he scored 14 in his career. first season next season. He, he did indeed, indeed. But nonetheless, you could say he was late, later on in his career. But he was injured. Then he, but, he, but he included Crespo. And I just said, I wrote back saying, no, Crespo had a, a, a wonderful career at Chelsea and was a great player. Um, uh, but he said, and interesting how you've destroyed Morata. No, Morata was shit. It's the question of destroying Morata. still for Spain this year. The World Cup wasn't very good either, you know. So, you know, what do you say? But yes, you're absolutely right, Chidge. Well, well stood up. Well yeah, stood well, quite right. I absolutely. I mean, I'm I, I, great I, player, great player, great joyous watching him. I agree. Uh, His movement was, you know, you could actually tell tell um, our dear friend. Um, um, uh, I forgot he played centre forward for Chelsea at the moment. Um, uh, not not a Bamiyang. What's up? Havertz. Havertz could learn a few things no. about running into space. He could indeed. I mean, I, I am horribly biased, as people who've listened to this show for a long time will know. I, I have a soft spot for, for great strikers who move brilliantly and, and have the whole kind of finishing repertoire. Viali, one of my all-time favourite Chelsea players for that reason. Uh, but Crespo, for me, is up there. I mean, I know that the, the stats don't necessarily bear that out because he wasn't with us very long, but if you if you were at some of these games this season, Mark Mark alluded to this earlier on. But if you were at some of the some of the games this season and saw him play, you would realise what an absolutely class player he was, right, Mark? Agree. And again, if, if there are sort of younger listeners that um, weren't old enough to see Crespo play for Chelsea, because he's now getting on to sort of like eighteen, nineteen years ago, just go into YouTube, type in Hernan Hernan Crespo Chelsea goals. And some people have done the compilation of the 25 goals Hernan Crespo got for Chelsea. They're well worth watching because there's some absolute beauties in there. But it was just, as I said at the start, a joy, an absolute joy just to come down, watch a great team with great players, but also just watch him as an individual player for 90 minutes. You're right, so similar to Diali. Intelligent footballer, positional play. And he had it all. And during the course of this season, he gets a Wigan-type goal, the screamer from 30 yards. He gets the two-yard tap and he gets the headers. He gets the volleys and he gets the half volley. He had the whole thing in his locker. And it's just a shame, you know, for personal reasons, it didn't work out, you know, that he couldn't stay Chelsea longer than he probably wanted to do. But if you look more recently, interviews that have appeared in the press with Crespo, and he's just so happy about his time at Chelsea Football Club. And I know we're jumping the guns when we get to the end of the season. But there is a moment when Crespo has won the league where he's alone in the dressing room with his thoughts and Whitman's medal, and it's a beautiful picture. And that just shows that guy really cared about playing for Chelsea Football Club. Great, great player. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, anyone that thinks Crespo's a flop does not know anything about football. 
Nope. But also, as I said before, he was playing with some great players around him, so you can understand why he would be joyous about that. He's getting some wonderful crosses and wonderful, wonderful uh, um, passes through to put him to put him through. So it it must have encouraged him to to take up these positions as well, you know, because you know you're playing. Frank is at the top of his game. Frank had another wonderful season. No, what absolutely brilliant Not ability to hit the target as well with such a rasping shot. And you've got Joe Cole playing out of his skin. And you've got, I mean, that's another... Robin and Duff, Sean oh, Ranford, SEN. Yeah, Joe Cole. Where you pick him, yeah. So let's, not, let's not have a bit of premature wow. ejaculation here because we're no, going no, we'll, we'll, to... Let's give, let's give the, the, the listeners a teaser Oh, here. okay. Oh, I know. Well, they've been teased enough. All right. So Villa next. Villa yeah, next okay. at home. And the most mar- remarkable thing happens, which is uh, somebody scores against us. Uh, I think it's Luke Moore, isn't it? Uh, 44 minutes. Uh, he puts... The first attack that they've had. Yeah. Exactly. And the first goal we conceded this uh, in the league this season. Uh, Lampard evens it up with a free kick from, guess what, tw- 25 yards a minute later. And uh, then he scores a penalty on 75 minutes after a foul on Drogba. After a gr- I mean, an absolutely brilliant chipped pass from, guess who? Frank Lampard. The interesting thing about this game is, uh, is that Mourinho uh, basically put four in attack after going... One nil down. I mean, we're only one nil down for a minute, but he changed it immediately, uh, and and I think it's something that we haven't really touched on. We didn't really talk about it too much in the last show, but we're beginning to see signs of this. That Mourinho. I mean, we often say it now, don't we? We bemoan managers that we've had recently who, you know, have no in-game uh, tactical astute management. They don't change things. They're too late to change things. I mean, talk about Sarri and his Kovacic for. Uh, for Barkley or Jorginho Barkley Barkley substitutions on 61 minutes Mourinho if he didn't like something you'd change it immediately and I mean people say how boring we were and how negative he was he just he puts four on attack when we're one one nil down that's not negative or boring that's like Didier Deschamps if you ask me from last night he does it as well because they're not presenting any kind of uh, attacking threat no so he knows that then he can just there won't be a problem with them breaking because we're quick enough to deal with it. It's that aspect as well. Exactly. Anyway, talking of uh, talking of exactly, this was a warm up for the next match, really, which was the Champions League uh, group match against the European champions, who were unfortunately Liverpool, up at their place. Uh, Mark, you were very disparaging about this, as I recall in the notes. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. 
Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper chels. You didn't actually write any. You didn't write anything about the game at all. No, I, I, I said that I, on this one, I thought Liverpool on the night were the better side. Mm. Um, they had two sort of penalty shouts in the course of the game. There's one where. I think Drogba pushes Sammy Hoopier in the penalty area, and there's one where that should Gallagher... have been a penalty, mate. I can't believe that oh, it wasn't. Don't know, don't... Yeah, yeah, I know it wasn't. But, would be today. Know, would be today. It's quite surprised that Liverpool didn't get a penalty. Uh, and then Gallus does a handball from the Carragher header that was also another potential penalty. But I think it was a bit of a physical game. I remember we didn't have many chances. I think Robin missed one. Um, we mix it. We had four players, but but the, the, the strange thing about this game is two things I remember about this. One I forgot to put in my notes. Like a friend of mine is like a, a cab driver, and he just drove all the way up with another friend of mine to Liverpool. So that's a great great taxi ride for a Chelsea away game, and then just drove back to London straight after the game. Um, but I was working up um, in Liverpool, so I talked about in the last show working up in Manchester when we played the game, uh, and I was working up in Liverpool, so. Purely coincidence, my work diary coincided with Chelsea game. So I was working in Warrington the day after the game. So I booked into, and I'd never, ever stayed in one before. And I'm sorry if there's anyone working for the company that listens, um, that's listening, that works on. I stayed in my first ever travel lodge in Warrington. And I booked bed and breakfast because that's what you do when you stay in a hotel. So the bed was fine. Um, so I come down to breakfast the next day. And I don't know if they still do it, um, but a Travelodge breakfast back in 2005 was not an all-you-can-eat buffet or an English breakfast with sausage, bacon, eggs, bubbling squeak and fried bread and all the trimmings with a nice cup of tea. A Travelodge breakfast was served to you in a paper bag by the receptionist. <laughs> I was so disappointed. It was basically an orange juice and a croissant in a paper bag. And then you had to make tea yourself or coffee from a machine again i've never ever been back to a travel lodge since then but that that was it that's what i remember about the liverpool trip staying in my first ever travel lodge and how awful it was on contrast to the last time i was in liverpool when i stayed you know in a, in a nunnery and had you know a, a really good time with the nuns working behind the bar it's a bit <laughs> of a letdown liverpool yeah. and there'll be another letdown when i talk about another liverpool hotel on the next show on 2006-7 but think, we'll hold that till then i think the, the moral of this story mark is don't stay in hotels in liverpool 
Don't go to Liverpool, full stop. Well, there is that. You know, that would also be a very good idea. Um, yeah. All of this, this nil-nil uh, and a bit of a stalemate, uh, you know, brings uh, September to a close. Uh, McAuley, Robin, Lampard and Terry all got booked, by the way, in that match. So we kind of mixed it with them physically. We're mixing it, yeah. Now, the great gods of football fixture land decreed uh, that the next match, bizarrely, would be against Liverpool again. Guess what? Back up at Anfield uh, in in October in the Premier League. Uh, a very, very, very different uh, outcome, this one. This was just joyful. Joyful and joyous and triumphant. Uh, Lampard opens the scoring on 27 minutes with a penalty after a Truore foul. Uh, on Drogba, that's that reminds me of that song. Don't blame it on wh- whoever their defenders were. Blame blame it on whatever. Don't blame it on whatever. Blame it on Traore to the Michael Jackson song. Do you remember they used to sing that? Yep. Yeah, I used to, that made me laugh. That song. You're on mute, J.K. For some reason, don't know why. I can't remember. I was sneezing. Uh, you, I can't remember who the other two players were, but I remember Traore. You remember the money. song? I wonder if they they were playing in this very match. We shall have a look. Uh, yeah, Traore didn't he give the penalty away? Yeah, he, he did. Scythe, he scythed yeah, Drogba yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible challenge from very, very. Fair sh- though, he did play the ball. He just happened to. Yeah. It would be a penalty now. But he, just uh, had to he was take a sh- him out with his other foot. He was know? a shit player. Anyway, Gerard equalised uh, with a a rasping drive from the edge of the penalty area after a corner on thirty-five minutes. Duffer makes it two-one on forty-three minutes. Uh, that, by the way, there was a a brilliant uh, kind of. I can't even describe it. One of the boys will do it better than me. But Drogba flicks it to beat Hippier and then puts it across for Duffer to slam in. Anybody want to try and explain what Drogba it's did? Cute, it's a cute back heel, and he then puts he kind of back heeled it past Hippier and then ran it, round him, right, didn't he? And ran round it. Absolutely, you've expressed it perfectly. It's like Pele, like me. It was just yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, it reveals to you what a, what a fantastic player Drogba yeah. was. Not only was he hugely physical and 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 great centre forward play. Very, very skillful player indeed, this kind of thing. He does, he's not just holding it up. He's holding it up in a flash, beating a centre-half and laying it onto someone to score. Brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, I think the best thing about Drogba in this game, um, he had a hand in all four goals. He gets fouled for the penalty, which Lampard converts. He makes the goal for Duff. He lays on another one for Joe Cole in the second half. And then he's part of the move where Jeremiah you know, comes on and scores the fourth goal. Well, Drogba goes down the wing, lays it on the Robin, who crosses, and Jeremiah yes. comes in on the right-hand yes. side. So Drogba, to his credit, as our striker, made four goals for his teammates. And yeah. he's very you know, team-orientated after the game, where he's basically saying, it doesn't matter whether I score or not, you know, providing Chelsea win, and I'm happy because I've made goals for my teammates. But huge big game player like that, he was completely on fire in that game. And this it. was big. This was a big... This is This is a bad defeat for Liverpool. This was their... Worst defeat since 1969 at home, losing 4 1 to Chelsea. That was another statement we made during the course of this season. And the last time we won that significantly of such a scoreline, I think the Titan- Titanic hadn't even been built, you know, back then. It was so long ago. Yeah. And, and yet, and yet, despite this huge win, I think that. That Mourinho was slightly phased about playing Liverpool. I think, as we'll discover as the season yeah, goes. Yeah, but on. but not in this game. I mean, that's the remark. Well, I, no, I agree with you. Make much, doesn't yeah. make much sense. As I know to, it was an outlier to have the pattern to yeah. play against. Well, them. I mean, the, and, the, he, and he then mucked about with it later well, the, on in the, all the, the other games. The proof, the proof of that was it was what Liverpool or the Liverpool camp had been saying before that. Yes. They were like making because you know you know what Benitez is like. He's always like making pronouncements to the press. 
And he was, he had been saying that uh, that they had the measure of Chelsea. So what a lovely dollop of Schadenfreude we dished out. But uh, there was only one change from the Champions League match, which was that Del Horno was in at left back and Gallus was moved to right back for Paolo Ferreira. And Cole was in for Robin because, of course, Duffer and Robin were now both out injured. Uh, Duffer was having a knee up. The most beautiful thing about this game, I wasn't there. I don't know. I presume you were, were you there, JK? Oh yes! Yeah. Oh yes! Were you, were, you, were you there, Mark? No, I watched it from the pub. All yeah. right, so J.K. was there. Well, J.K. will remember that after the fourth went in, the Chelsea crowd were all chanting "Easy, easy, easy," and lo, it was, wasn't it, J.K.? It was absolutely brilliant. That was marvellous. One of my four-one up there. I think there were early exit from uh, Scouser crowd. Is there a fire drill? I don't think people saying is there a fire drill then, actually. No, it was a joyous thing. It's lovely. I mean, I, the joy I got. We're champions. That's yeah, why we're champions. That's why we're champions. We're sung a lot. But the joy, the joy of stuffing that lot 4-1 at home oh, is just, oh, oh, just oh. brilliant. Um, Bolton uh, was next up in the league, and we gave them a stuffing too, which is, again, also joyous, even though, uh, very worryingly, Giannacopoulos uh, opened the scoring for Bolton uh, after four minutes and uh, they remain 1-0 up, largely because they parked the bus uh, for the entire first half. But uh, second half, clearly Mourinho got into them at half-time, made lots of changes, which will... Well, actually, I'll tell you now. Um, basically, he uh, he took Del Horno off, went three at the back and put four up front again. And uh, it paid off beautifully because after 52 minutes, Drogba scored. Lampard put another one in on 55 minutes and then 59 minutes. Uh, he uh, scores from a free kick and Drogba scores on 61 minutes. Good Johnson finishes it off uh, on 74 minutes with a great finish uh, to make it 5-1. Ricardo Gardner kind of really didn't help Bolton's cause at all because he got sent off for a ridiculous <laughs> handball. It's kind of... Do you know when a ballerina does a does a does like a jump... <clears throat> when they put their kind of arm up as they jump and do a little, I don't know what they call it now, but they twizzle their feet or something. It was He did that and, and handled the ball and tried to make it look it was like it was accidental. It so was not. Lampard subsequently scores from that free kick on 59 minutes. Um, and as I said, uh, you know, Jose changed at half-time. I mean, it's really interesting, actually, because on the DVD, uh, Lee, Card- uh, Lee, whatever his name, Parker says uh, it was uh, the Lampard and Drogba show. And I'd written that before I'd heard him say it. But it was... It was the Lampard and Drogba show. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned this last uh, in the last show on last season that we were already beginning to see an incredibly effective partnership developing between Lampard and Drogba, uh, both scoring and both assisting each other. And boy, was it productive. And this year, um, it really did kind of come into full bloom for a while because, of course, the old Drogs was off to uh, the African Cup of Nations in the uh, beginning of the uh, next next year. Uh, but they were really gelling, I think. And the other thing I'd say that JK made a really good point about earlier, you know, th- we all know that Frank scores uh, 20 goals this season, which is an incredible haul for a midfielder at the time. He, of course, he then goes on to do it every bloody season. But the big difference, JK, between this season and last season is that Frank is shooting on sight. From yeah. 30 yards out, if there's, he'll just have a pop. So, so I, it, it, you know, I didn't notice this at the time, but I think with all these years of hindsight, it seems to me to be clear that Mourinho just said to him, mate, you've got a great shot. If you, if you're in, if you can see the goal, shoot. What was so wonderful about it was his, it, it was the power that he got behind it. It's all right-footed, 
but and the accuracy that he got as well. And the number of times the ball would swirl and really put the goalkeeper under pressure. So he would frequently spill it and there'd be somebody to hit it in. Or or also he he would um uh it, it just his accuracy was so superb, top right hand corner of the net. As you say, Chidge, he would have a go. In fact, I actually think he told lots of the players to do that because Joe Cole similarly oh, had a yeah. terrific <clears throat> shot and would have a dip from, from 35 yards. The number of deflections that Frank got as well were quite phenomenal. But Frank was a wonderful, we have to, mustn't forget this, a wonderful player. The top of his game, he hasn't been, he, he, he eventually succumbs to a cold, but he's been playing every game for the past, how does it mean he get to 160 something he gets to? Um, yeah. And it, it, it's the consistency is absolutely superb. But may I say also the one thing that the club, the team seem to be doing absolutely brilliantly is set pieces. And Frank takes the takes them, or Robin takes them. And if or they tap one taps the ball to the other, uh, and one takes it, and they've both got superb accuracy of free kicks and corners. And the number of goals as the season goes on, we see JT start scoring headers. Um, uh, the ball just goes into the bottom. Crespo scores it from corners and free kicks. Uh, it's either you've got the accuracy of the ball going in and Drogba getting a header in or one of them getting a header in or a shot in, or Frank hits the target with the free kick at great pace. Frank was a, had a wonderful shot and and it, the, the team just benefited hugely from his his superb ability to to hit the target yeah definitely right uh mark there were some very notable things about this game as well weren't they that we don't really talk enough about absolutely right i know people talk quite rightly about the arsenal's invincible season and we said on the last show how annoying it was to lose to man city last season otherwise we could repeat the invincibles but we have our own alternative invincible season it was one year exactly since our last defeat. So we'd gone a whole season, even though we crossed between four, five, and five, six, of 38 games undefeated. That was our 38th game in a row without defeat. But also during that period of time, in one year, we didn't lose a single away game. They're two phenomenal records that I think have been forgotten about. You know, this was how good this team were. We didn't lose for a year for crying out loud. That is some record as well. And and I get it, I'd echo what JK said as well. Um, the important thing about set piece is not just Frank shooting on site, but in this game, we have both, you know, Frank shooting on site, but also Drogba scoring from a corner. We were good on corners. We scored goals from corners. And Drogba nips in at the near post in the second half and puts this one in against Bolton. The other the other thing about this game as well. Um and I checked with a few friends of mine a few weeks back on an earlier show because I couldn't quite remember which season it was, but I knew it happened. Um, mentioned before, we used to drink in the North End Road on a, in a pub called the Seven Stars, which is no longer a pub. It's like a student accommodation, but I think it's lying empty at its present moment in time. So can you imagine if you're Sam Allardyce? You're 1-0 away to Chelsea, 45 minutes. You end up losing 5-1 and one of your defenders stupidly gets himself sent off at 2-1, and we've got four players up front, so they caved in with three goals in the last half hour. The traffic on the North End Road this evening after the game was gridlocked. So you're driving up the North End Road in the Bolton team coach, and the coach grinds to a halt directly outside the Seven Stars pub on North End Road. If people are listening, 
know where the seven stars is and will know the location well near where the West Kent estate is. And unluckily for Sam sitting in the front row of the bus, it was spotted by some of the Chelsea fans in the seven stars and the whole pub empties out and just gives, and they had to take it, like the whole Bolton coach just had to sit there taking abuse and stick from all these Chelsea fans having lost 5-1. Probably Sam was just saying to the driver, I wish he'd hurry up and get us out of this traffic jam. Or words to that effect. Or words to that effect. He might have thrown in a few more syllables. Yeah, yeah he was probably very... he was probably more pissed off that he was getting delayed from getting back to the pub so he could have a pint of wine. Really, <laughs> you know, if I know Sam. But there you go. You're on mute, yeah. J.K. Right. Um, I keep sneezing. Um, uh, just to say that Bolton were third at this this stage of the season, and um, they did do that thing of parking the bus and. And Jose's way of dealing with teams that park the bus was to just put, as you say, put four forwards on, which is actually a, um, uh, it's almost something I suppose you can't do nowadays because teams so effectively break out from parking the bus, which I don't think they did as well. But he had, they had a really decent side, Bolton. And um, he had, a, he had a, a Campo playing for them, of course, who was a really interesting player. The bizarre player that was D- Duf, who, uh, who always seemed to get involved in some kind of scrap with somebody. The the irritating... He was a spitter, wasn't he? He was, he was, for Liverpool as well. Yeah. The irritating Kevin Davies. Um, uh, the um, Ngotti, of course, played for them as well, uh, who was a decent player. They actually had a Nolan who was always, always annoying. Jigsaw. Um, yeah, and yes, and, and Gary Speed, of course, terrific player. Yeah. Um, and JJ Okocha, who was always a terrific. So it was actually... It, it, I, I used to enjoy watching... Um, Bolton just for the way that you knew that Sam would somehow attempt to get a result out of it but on a day like this he just couldn't deal with us because we were too good but in other other aspects you know he would he would do decently in the in the division actually because they were very decent players Campo was a very decent player and so was Akotcha really skillful and didn't they have um oh what's his name Spanish bloke played played a lot of games for Spain Hierro Hierro yes you know who I mean yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they were a good side. They were, actually. But we absolutely stuffed them. So there you go. Now, we got uh, Real Betis uh, back in the Champions League at home. Um, this was another another one. So we basically beat Liverpool 4-1, Bolton 5-1, and we now beat uh, Real Betis 4-0 at home. Drogba opens the scoring on 24 minutes. Uh, Carvalho uh, scores on 44 with a hilarious goal. Uh, Lamps free kick uh, from about 30 yards out. And the goal kick... Miles yeah, out. the goalkeeper yeah. kind of catches it, drops it, and Carvalho just swoops it on it and puts it in from, from the goal line. Uh, Joe Cole on 59 minutes, Crespo on 64 minutes. It was uh, it was uh, uh, the debut for Lasana Diara, by the way. Um, but uh, these goals were superb. I should let Mark describe them because he loved them so much he actually put notes in there about it. Oh, I did. Like The Jogger goal was good. The, the Carvalho goal was a sort of comedy goal. It's the last two goals. Joe Cole's goal, he did this many times during the course of the season and we, we've very much talked lovingly about Hernan Crespo, but Joe Cole this season, I think it's probably one of his best seasons at Chelsea, he was absolutely superb. And he did this run, hits the, hits the ball on the runs, right into the bottom corner, but it's the fourth goal. And if people got long enough memories, and, uh, and this gets replicated a couple of times during the course of the season, very similar to when we played the Chenza, in the 1998 um, Cup Winners' Cup semi-final, 
and Zola crosses for Viali. The fourth goal in the Betis game is Joe Cole crosses uh, and Crespo catches it sort of like perfectly. You know. And actually, no, it wasn't Joe Cole. It was Sean White Phillips. Yes, it was Sean White Phillips. Yeah, we were yeah. saying earlier about how good Sean White Phillips was during the yeah. course of the season. An yeah. absolute brilliant cross by Sean White Phillips and a bullet header by Crespo. Like very, very shades of Viali in 1998. Really, really terrific goal. Again, go back and watch your 25 goals at Hernan Crespo. This is one of the best in there as well. As we say, Hernan Crespo didn't get many bad goals. He got the odd tap in, but a lot of the goals he got were just superb. Well, I mean that. I mean that cross from from right Phillips was. was yeah. I mean he absolutely walloped it in. I mean it was yeah. it was brilliant. It was like a like an exocet. It just went dead straight right onto Crespo's head. I mean it was a fantastic goal. Anyway, if you were centre forward, that's what you want. Oh, God, from, yeah. from your winger, he just yeah. had to connect with it, and it just flew yeah. into the net. Uh, so the they... very fact that he kept up with him, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, yeah great His ability to get into the box yeah. when when there were these kind of situations was was peerless. Yeah. Great movement, great movement. Right, uh, the next match is in the Premier League, and uh, uh, it's a way to Everton, that good old bogey side for hours, and thus it proved. Uh, this was a. Uh, Chelsea are obviously top. We're still still in first position. Everton, of course, were bottom under David Moyes. Top versus bottom. Chelsea top, other side bottom. You know the story. Oh, yes. Even under Mourinho, this is the kind of shithousery, brain fart kind of game that would happen. Beattie, who, as we all know, did rather well against Chelsea perennially, uh, opened the scoring on 37 minutes with a penalty thanks to a Sean Wright Phillips foul. Uh, and then Frank equalised on 50 minutes with a 30-yarder. The, the other sorry uh, state of affairs with this match was the fact that uh, it meant that Chelsea fell two games short of equaling Spurs' record for games won from the start of the season, which was 11. Uh, that must have been in, in the 60s, because there's no way Spurs would have won 11 matches in, 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 in a row in, in, any, in any year since 1962. I think, was that 61-62 yeah. season? Yeah, when they were, they, were, they were push and run, weren't they? They were the... Uh... Yeah. They were the top side in the country. Or because Danny played. Danny Blanchflower had them training with no footballs, you see. That's what it was. <laughs> the, the other thing about Everton, they, they had a habit of doing this um, over history. So we, we were heading to sort of like our oh, best ever you know, win, winning streak and they ended it. In 2002, Arsenal 30 match unbeaten run, they ended. In 1988, Liverpool's 29 game unbeaten run. They ended, and in 1969, they did the same for Leeds United's 34-game unbeaten run. It's just Everton. <laughs> they just turn up and they spoil the party. And do you know what they did to prepare for this game against Chelsea? What David Moyes did to try and, as a desperate attempt to break their end of, you know, bottom of the tables run, he took the white water canoeing. It worked. It worked. Exactly. It worked. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about that. I'm absolutely flawed I like by it. that. I've got something to say. If I, I will start using that as a as an opportunity for me if I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps and I need to achieve something. I'll go whitewater canoeing. Good idea. Mm, we will talk about it on future episodes of the show when we start talking about Chelsea again, and we'll say, why isn't Graeme Potter taking whitewater canoeing? There we yes. go. We might we might lose a couple of the way with a bit of luck, yeah. Maybe we will <laughs> nominate the non-swimmers and make sure they get to, they get to do it. Uh, we now shift gear a bit because it's the uh, the Carling Cup. Of course, we're the uh, the League Cup uh, holders, having beaten Liverpool in the uh, Millennium Stadium back in February. 
of the same year. We've got Charlton at home. Now, we all know that Charlton are, in, are a decent side this season, so this was not going to be a pushover. And uh, consequently, uh, we put out a pretty decent side, as I recall, uh, just checking to make sure I'm not talking out my rear end. Well, Carlo Cudicini's in goal, but that's not exactly weakening the team. Uth was playing. Yeah, I know. It? Michael Essien, Hernan Crespo. Of course, Drogs comes on us uh, to replace him later on. Geremai, Ian Robin, Wayne Bridge is back. Uh, Lamps comes on on 60 minutes. Paolo Ferreira, Ida, Sean Wright-Phillips. Cole comes on for him later. John Terry, Robert Huth. I mean, that's a pretty full-strength side, if you ask me. And uh, you would need it against Charlton, as it proved, because uh, it ended up 1-1. Uh, Terry put us ahead after 41 minutes. Uh, Darren Bent here, Darren Bent, uh, 45 minutes equalised uh, after a rather injudicious slip by uh, Robert Hooth, which put him straight through. Uh, it's remained the same in extra time um, and, uh, you know, a bit of a stalemate, really. So it went to penalties, of course. Uh, at which point uh, it went like this. Robin scored, Bent scored, Hooths was saved. Bothroyd scored, Johnson scored, Holland scored, Lampard scored, Horidison scored, Drogba scored, Hughes scored, and it made it 5-4 on penalties on the night. So it was a bad night for Robert Hooth, uh, who missed his penalty and, of course, was pretty much single-handedly responsible for their equaliser. Uh, this was Wayne Bridges' return to the side, actually, after, you know, Shearer tried to kill him. Um, I love this quote uh, from Jose. Uh, he says, I would rather... Because basically this was the first kind of technically defeat we'd had of the season, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, even though it was a draw, which is kind of the point he made. He said, I'd have rather have lost on penalties than in extra time or normal time because it means we didn't uh, we didn't lose the game. <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with that. He got crucified in the press for this at the time, I seem to recall, but he was right. And I've been using that line ever since. Uh, but there we go. Mark, they, uh, there were other things going on in that match too, weren't there, that uh, need, uh, need uh, picking up on from you, I believe? Like you know, reduce prices for cup games. We lost you, yeah, Mark. Um, oh, no. oh, yeah. Something Chelsea introduced. Yeah, no, I, I just went sort of internet unstable for one second there. Yeah, we introduced reduced cup cup prices from this game because there was a lot of criticism earlier in the season with with the prices for the Anderlecht game, and it's from this day forward that Chelsea's continued that like seventeen years on. Carling Cup games, FA Cup games, early rounds of Champions League are, are reduced price. It started at this Burnley game. I actually sort of missed this one. Um, I organised my work diary to be up in Liverpool um, for the Champions League game. I was actually working up in Burnley this time on, on a cold evening in Burnley. And the internet reception in Burnley was nigh on impossible. I think now, 17 years on, you know, trying to get internet reception back in 2005. So... Because it was a cold night, me and my work colleague went out for a curry and I found out the score from one of the wasters that we'd lost on penalties. And the only question I was asked about this, look, looking at the penalty takers, and I feel sorry for Robert Hoof. I, I, I get the power of Robert Hoof, but I would have thought like an Essien or a Joe Cole would have been a more likely penalty taker in the first five shootout than a Robert Hoof. Yeah. All the others made sense, Robin, Lampard, Drogba. But who's taking the penalty? Well, he, maybe he was—he was brave enough to take one. Well, yeah. he did—he did like taking free kicks, of course. Yeah, he had yeah. a—he had a rocket of a shot on him. So, I, he I, offered. Yeah, he offered. yeah, he stood up like a man. Poor old Robert yeah. Hooth. 
um, who who after he left us was most famous for um, getting getting fined for playing cock or no cock on Twitter, of course. Um, but there we go. We digress. Win a Champions League medal with Leicester. Oh, well, that that. I mean, not Champions Premier I mean, League. Premier yeah, of course. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think the cock or cock issue was probably funny. Uh, anyway, um, talking of fu- oh, no, funny, no, definitely not. The next match is against Blackburn, which is never funny. Um, they'd kicked the shit out of us in that uh, season-defining game uh, last season when we went on to win the uh, win the Premier League. Um, this one was a very different affair. Uh, Drogba opened scoring on 10 minutes. Lampard uh, got a penalty on 14 minutes. And then Bellamy. Oh, God. So already one of the most odious sides in the in the universe was made even worse by the signing of Craig Bellamy. Surely one of the nastiest, most horrible, odious pieces of shit that's ever worn a football kit in, his, in, a, in, in, our, in our entire existence. This is a man that took a golf club to a, a colleague when he was playing for... Cardiff or Liverpool, absolutely horrible human being, horrible. So appropriate. Actually, he was actually quite. A he was. He player. was good. So appropriate that he ended up playing for Liverpool. Really. Anyway, um, he scores a, a penalty on eighteen minutes, uh, so it's two one on forty four minutes. Check an awful clearance where he just shanks it basically and goes nowhere. Bellamy uh, scores on forty four. And then uh, in the second half, Lampard scores on sixty two minutes with uh, the hundredth career goal. Uh, of his career, uh, well, it would be really, wouldn't it? His 100th career goal with a 30-yard free kick. Uh, and by the way, he's now um, he's now the top Premier League goal scorer with 10 goals at this stage of the season. And uh, Kit, here we go. This is going to cause me trouble. I'm going all kind of, uh, um, you know, what's his name? The big fat Scottish bloke on Talksport, Brazil. Going to go all Brazil on this. Kizanishvili, I think is how that's pronounced, scores an own goal on 74 minutes. Blackburn, dirty bastards again. Five five players booked for, for Blackburn. Yes. Absolute shithouses, the lot of them. Who was booked for them? Uh, Morton Gantz-Pedderton, uh, two guy. Uh, Kizanishvili, Dickoff, wanker. Well, Dickoff and Bellamy were a, were a wonderful combination. Absolute wankers. Absolute <laughs> wankers. Yeah. I do not know how Dickoff got away with it. I mean, mate, you know, he got away with being irritating in the ref's face, fouling and fouling and fouling, and yet was always when he got a yellow card was so surprised all the time with looking at him, pointing at him. So me, what, 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 as if, and he just kicked somebody up in the air. Up, but you know we've all played football right when i played football if there was always there's always somebody like that on on the opposition side little small bloke gobby yeah. thinks he's hard mate when we played football he would be the first to be two-footed you know usually by me as it happens i i was i was used my role because i was shit and expendable my role was to be the assassin you know the assassin so if we had anybody like that and also as i said i would fight anybody but usually lose but i would two foot them probably get sent off and before anybody could clout me our big lads would be in you know what i was saying earlier about about robin our, our big lads would be coming in and having a go at them before i got the shit kicked out of me but i would happily go and two foot somebody if they were gobbing a little shit like dick off but how so what's missing from the modern game jk <laughs> protection and well two footing people liberally calling two footing people no it's in the modern game people just get sent off very quickly yeah. and then don't play for six more games you know but no i i, I just didn't uh, he would then score annoyingly score quite good goals yeah. good he would actually get to decent positions and score but oh 
God, to have him and Bellamy playing. Can I just say about Bellamy? Bellamy played for, I'm intrigued by Bellamy, I always was, because he really was a decent player, very skillful. He played for Norwich, Coventry, Newcastle. He fell out with Zunes, what a surprise, who sent him off to Celtic. Blackburn, only one season. Liverpool got him. He was in the uh, uh, European, the Champions League final 2007. West Ham, Man City, Cardiff, back to Liverpool again. And then he was with Cardiff, and then he and he got them up into the into the first division, into the Premier League. And then he then he then he was um, then he retired. So I mean, and, uh, and he's now assistant manager at Burnley. So um, with company. So uh, well, uh, at least he's keeping good company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all right. Don't worry. Uh, no, we're into November now. By the way, uh, children, uh, we are still top of the league. Who who'd ever doubted it? Uh, I'll let you into a secret. When we went top of the league after beating West Brom, we stayed there the whole season. There you go. Spoiler alert. Uh, November, back into the Champions League. Uh, Real Betis away. Uh, Duffer returns. Uh, Danny. Uh, Danny. Uh, yeah, I remember Danny. Bloody hell. Danny scores on 28 minutes. And we did not reply. So we, we lost 1-0. Ida missed a sitter. Essien... Essien somehow managed to hit both posts with one shot. Yeah. How the yeah. fuck does that happen? Uh, but it was very disappointing. Jose, not happy, he said it was the worst game since he arrived. I think he was right. It also meant that we'd, we'd not won uh, away in the Champions League for over a year. But it was the first our first defeat of the season, was it not, Mark? Yep, and our track record in Spain knew it wasn't particularly good anyway. Uh, we'd only ever won one game in seven against Spanish opposition in Europe. And ironically, that team was real Betis in 1998 and Torre Andrew Fleur got two goals against them. So our record in Spain was very, very poor. So bad defeat um, and it'll have an impact on the Champions League group when we finish the group shortly. Yeah, it does. Now, something else happened in October, which I remember, actually. I'm so glad you put this in. Yeah, um, obviously, reality TV was taking off all these different types of programmes. And I probably liken this to probably Pop Idol. Sky TV launched this program called Football Icon. And they had 5,000 would-be professional footballers all trying to get a professional contract. And the first series of the show, the professional contract, would be with Chelsea Football Club. So the two judges for the show were Chelsea employees, which were Neil Bath, who's done a fantastic job at Chelsea Football Club down the years, and the late Ray Wilkins. And we'll talk more about Pop idol, football idol, football icon, whatever you want to call it, later you know, in, in this current show. And we'll let you know who was the successful player. Now, you know, I do remember that, and, and there's good reason for it. It's also also reminded me of something. You know, I said I don't remember many of the matches this season. Um, I, I was at most of them, obviously. I've got a season ticket. But from about June, possibly, maybe a little bit later, I'd started to make the best television program i ever got to make which was the greatest goals against man united so i got that one uh my mate dan riley got uh the goals for man united because he was a big man united fan so i'd been whizzing around interviewing all sorts of people and working very very hard by november I think I was in the middle of editing it. So I might have missed a few of these matches, actually, because of that. But uh, that, that's just something that springs to mind. Um, I mean, but I'd interviewed uh, Harry Redknapp, Shearer, Jermaine Penis, Brian Robson, Cyril Regis, P. 
Rolls November, good. We only had one home game during November as well. So yeah, but um, I, I was in the edit suite by now. But I was yeah, making yeah. that. Uh, but no, I, I interviewed Peter Osgood on my birthday back in August, which was just absolutely delightful. So yeah, it's just just occurred to me I was making this program at the time. Anyway, um, talking of Man United, uh, we play them next away. Guess what? We lose one nil. Uh, Fletcher scores on thirty-one minutes. So that's uh, I've said here back-to-back defeats. Hashtag Jose out. Well, that's what they'd be saying now on Twitter, isn't it? Um, and you know what? They probably would be. Jose, though, was very different from his reaction uh, to the loss against Real Betis. He said that we played well, it was a good performance and a good spirit. And everybody in the media, and I just want to come in with this at the moment, right now, which I'll pick up on the at the end of, of the second part when we do the summary. But the the demeanour of Jose, I, I felt, shifted this season. But it's hardly surprising. The media were hammering us all season. Any Any crack... I mean, basically, we were so good... They couldn't stand it, you know, because they don't like it. They like that hegemony that United and Arsenal had created. And suddenly we had really come in and shat on the lawn and they didn't like it. And this is where it comes through. Hang on a minute. This is where it comes through this season. And uh, the minute that we lost against Betis and then United, it was all about, oh, oh, it's a blip. It's a blip. I.e. our beloved Man United might be able to come in and win or, or Arsenal, who we love equally. Jose was hilarious. He said, no blip, no blip. He said, anyway, even if it was, we can have a blip. The others can't because they're so far behind. And, of course, he was right. I, I just think that they, the media had a, an obvious agenda against us. They really hated the fact that we... I mean, I remember after we had the, the first nine victories and we lost, it was a major news item. It was actually on News at 10 and it was on, on all, the, all the BBC outlets that Chelsea had had failed. It was the draw. It was the 1-1 against Everton. But we had failed to win uh, more than the nine games, as if there was a kind of relief with that, um, that, that Chelsea were no longer um, possibly invincible. Uh, but but I, I actually felt that as the season went on, it started affecting the way we were refereed, actually. I think there was a, there was a, a definite um, uh, influence by the media on this drip, drip, drip at how... It was all going to fall apart and there was something wrong with the side. And there was a joy, I think, in us losing or drawing, um, uh, which was the agenda. And they tried to, um, any team that started getting possibly near us, they started interviewing them and trying to work out whether they could actually get near the the, the points total that we had. And uh, I found it very irritating. And, and, and also what I found irritating was... Um, uh, I, I, which once again we'll get onto it and we have our summation of it. But I, I just think early on, I think there were too many games that were important that we lost, and and consequently um, the season wasn't the huge success it ought to have been, despite us winning the the, the Premier League. And I'd like this. Uh, I, and once again, it's the it's the ability of the side. I'd, I'd agree with that. And I and I don't think he was helped by having. Too many. He had too many players who were excellent in the end, and I think that got in his way slightly. Well, I mean, uh, I just wonder, you know, with all this, you know, it's lovely with what seventeen odd years of hindsight. Yeah, you yeah. know, we all we all know it goes very tits up for Mourinho. We all know he gets very narky, but actually now looking back on it, and I'm, it's interesting to to get an understanding of why. And I and I kind of suddenly have a sympathy for him because you're right. You know, we were we were looking invincible. And yet, if you looked at the Arsenal invincible season, 
all the media were willing them to do it. Yeah. Willing them to not lose to anybody. The minute we're in that position, they're willing us to lose and willing everybody to beat us. I mean, there was a fucking newspaper that offered a reward to for who whoever the first goal scorer against Chelsea would be at the beginning of the season. Bugger if I can remember who it was. I, I, I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere in the summary, perhaps. Um, well, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I can't find it, of course. But I, I do know that a newspaper did offer... A, there we go. No, I don't know. I, did, I don't know the newspaper. But they offered a reward for whoever would score against us first. So you're right, JK. I think there was absolutely an agenda against us. They didn't want us to win. They didn't want us to romp away with everything. They were very jealous of the money that we'd had, the fact that we were buying all of these great players... They didn't like the fact that it was a Russian who owned us. But most of all, they didn't like the hegemony of United, Liverpool and Arsenal being shat on and broken up. That's I think it's that, pure and simple. But the contrast... I, do, I don't think we've ever recovered from it. I don't think there's ever been uh, any kind of delight with us winning anything, actually. Mark, you got a view? Uh, I, I disagree on the last point. I, I think there was a delight when Ancelotti came into town and that Ancelotti season... I think the press were very, very positive about that Chelsea side. And I think it's the personality of the, the manager as well. And I think some of the times at Hiddink as well, they were very positive towards us. I think, I think the significance about this whole era as well is, if you look at the um, Arsenal side, they never ran away in that invincible season. They finished the season 11 points clear at the end, and we finished second too. But we dropped a few points towards the end of that season under Ranieri. We were so out of the blocks on this. We'd won our first nine games. And if United, so there was a bit of a, a big deal about United winning this game because after this game, we were 10 points clear of United in third place. At the start of the day, we were 13 points clear of United. If we'd won this game, we'd have been 16 points clear of Man United in third place. Wigan were in second place, amazingly. Wigan, bless them, were in second place. So they probably weren't even considered as anyway contenders. So the nearest competitor towards Chelsea at this early stage in the season could have been 16 points behind. And that's part of it as well, is the press don't want people running away with things and winning all the time. They, they want to see good teams eventually brought down, and they wanted us brought down. They actually wanted the Arsenal invincible team to lose, because when they did lose, I think they lost to Man United. And I think they celebrate the loss at Arsenal beat. There comes a point, you know, when you are a great team where someone wants to bring you down. Mm. And we've, we've peaked early. You know, the Liverpool teams, the Man United teams of like the 70s and 80s and 90s, they went for years being loved by the press. We had 12 months. Yeah, I've got to be honest, Mark. I don't, I don't remember the antipathy or the del- or the delight of, the, of Arsenal losing at all. I, I think they desperately the one won. game they, they lost. United ended their thirty-eight match unbeaten run, and the same as J.K. said about us. That was news. You know, that yeah. was the first item of news. Arsenal have finally been beaten because people like that. They like seeing you know big teams eventually you know falling. In the same way, during the World Cup, when you saw an Argentina lose to a Saudi Arabia, it's a big story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. I I, yeah. I I I concede that point. Uh, thankfully, normal services resumed against Newcastle uh, in the next home match. Uh, we won three uh, nil. Cole on forty seven minutes. Crespo on fifty one. Great finish by Crespo, by the way. Absolutely delightful finish. And Duffer on ninety. Uh, of course, Scotty Parker was now playing for Newcastle, and of course, he made a point of kicking Joe Cole up in the air, literally. 
both of those tackles red cards the red cards all day long both of them not even a booking no <laughs> what on what what was the referee thinking what was going on? i don't Sometimes I, don't, I just don't understand officials at all. Well, if we I tell you who the referee was, the, the referee was Mark Halsey. <laughs> but Halsey, we're completely inept, as we know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely useless. He's, I mean, he's Jose's mate, isn't he, Halsey? I'm, I'm sure Halsey and Jose have got a good relationship. Yeah. I'm sure Jose or Halsey, I think Halsey in his book or Jose in his book, you know, spoke really positively about the other one. I think it's because he's just tolerating the village idiot, you know? It's It's... It's, it's in- incredible. Anyway, uh, back to Champions League uh, next with Anderlecht away uh, in Belgium. Uh, Crespo, another great goal on eight minutes. Great Lampard cross, great Crespo finish. And then Carvalho uh, made it 2-0 on 15 minutes. And brilliant. that was that. that brilliant was, goal. That was, yeah, yeah brilliant. brilliant volley by Crespo. Brilliant volley. Brilliant goal. Brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely superb. I mean, again, just a class finisher. This is our first ever win in Belgium. Uh, McAlealy's out injured by now, basically. Uh, but the most interesting thing, of course, uh, happened off the pitch, Mark, didn't it? Uh, yeah, there's a few things. Obviously, people remember back when we played Bruges in 1995 and we talked about it in the 94-5 show about people being locked up in warehouses and handcuffed and 600 people being deported. So the Chelsea programme was making a big deal beforehand. Even this many years on, 10 years on, the Belgian authorities still had a law which allowed them to arrest and detain anybody who was a visitor within five kilometres of a football stadium in Belgium if they did not possess a match ticket. And people moan about the police in this country at times. So you could be just a pure innocent tourist wandering around Brussels, gets stopped by a policeman and said, have you got a ticket to tonight's game? And they could deport you out of the country. So a lot of talk before the game about the allocation of tickets. And it's quite interesting because there's a lot of talk more recently with the demands for tickets for Chelsea. Do we go down the road of Liverpool's Man United and have ballots? Well, actually, ballots has happened before and it happened for this game. The Chelsea ticket office, after they did the away season ticket allocation, the European away season ticket, and the other away season ticket, they balloted the remainder of the allocation. So we were lucky, um, our group. So we got tickets, um, went out on the Eurostar, checked into the Ibis in Brussels, which was much nicer than the travel lodge in Warrington, I I should add. And it's one of those strange moments as a Chelsea fan. And that whole thing about Chelsea family. And the guys with guy goat Chelsea with called Dave Rogers. We're walking down a road in Brussels, just looking for a bar, and I got a message from mates where they might be. And we walk into this bar, and the first person I see in this bar is a guy I've known for like all my life. I went to school with him, a guy called Robert Delagrotti, or like a Chelsea fan. So I say hi to him, and simultaneously Dave says hi at the same time. And it turns out in a previous life he'd worked with them in, in, I think, you know, he worked with him in the sort of Metropolitan Police sort of civil service side of things. It's just that weird thing that that small Chelsea world that we know exactly the same person come from two different areas of life. But we had a really good afternoon in this bar. When we're heading down to Anderlecht Stadium, you have to get the metro in Brussels to where Anderlecht's ground is. And obviously it is sensitive. We have our tickets on us. But we got a police escort from the tube station and they say it was on the tube. And if you know the circle line in London, 
it goes round in circles. And you could be at Baker Street, and you could go left or go right, and all come all the way around Baker Street. So they took us round the circle line to the metro station for Andalek. But I would say they took us round the wrong way of the circle line, the long, the longer way. So we were late getting to Andalek Stadium, and we missed the kickoff. So we're just getting up to the ground. Um, and whether it goes back to what happens previously in June, but there was a bit of fisticuffs. And it wasn't like the PSG game I talked about on the last show. But as we arrived at the ground, um, people have been going out in Chelsea for a long time. They'll know who Stephen Hickmott is, also known as Icky. So as we were going in, Icky was coming out and he's been put into an ambulance by the Belgian authorities. And he had the lump on the sides of his head, the size of a golf ball. And it transpired, I only found out afterwards. So there was an old school Chelsea firm out there and they arranged a rendezvous with their Andalette equivalents. And Chelsea at this time had a sort of up-and-coming firm called the Chelsea Youth. Um, and the sort of like the Chelsea firm were old school, so they turned up with their fists. I thought it would be a fist fight. The Belgians turned up apparently tooled up with every kind of tool possibly. And you just think of Ray Winston in Scum, you go, where's your tool? Um, so on the site of the Belgians turning up sort of like tool-handed, um, apparently... I only found out the next day, while the old boys stood and fight and some of them sort of got, took took a few knocks with a few sort of like sticks, etc. the Chelsea youth apparently done a runner. And the only reason I know that is we got the Eurostow back to Waterloo the next day. And in our carriage, there's a, there's a well-known sort of Chelsea face from yesteryear. And he was talking in the train carriage, and you can hear him, about the Chelsea youth doing a runner and what he'd do if he ever got his hands on them. Uh, and then the other part about the game as well, because obviously I, I missed Crespo's goal, got into Cavalier's goal. We won the game comfortably 2-0. And it must be something about Belgian police, because we got on a escort back to the station afterwards, the whole Chelsea section. And all I can remember for the whole way back to the metro stations at intervals, and it was a really cold night, they would stop us. And they kept saying to us, if you misbehave, we will turn the water cannons on you. And they had a water cannon that followed us all the way to the Metro. Then there was nobody there on a freezing cold night in the slightest interest in misbehaving and having freezing cold water fired on you. But they really treated fans in Belgium differently to perhaps other parts of Europe that we've been to where the police have been absolutely fantastic to us. Hmm. What a story that is. Yeah, I think the Belgians are just miserable because they're not French or Dutch, really. It has, I think, a lot to yeah, do with Yeah, the Dutch, the Dutch police were always good. Um, Italian police never were. Spanish have got better. German police and Swedish police, great. Yeah. Yeah, without doubt. Always the best. Now, something else happened on the 24th of November, Mark. Yeah, I missed this because, obviously, I was travelling back from the Andalek game. and didn't get back in time. And when we do next year's show, I'll have another story on this. What Chelsea did, which I think was a really good idea, but probably based on the concept of a question of sport, as part of their centenary celebrations, they had a number of events, comedy night, etc. They had a thing called the Question of Chelsea. And they had 20 teams of supporters, and each team had an ex-player in the side. So they had great names like Boys Druids, Hollins Heroes, Kerry's Kings, and Wilkins Wizard. Teddy Maybank had a team, but I can't remember what they were called. Probably knowing Teddy, Maybank's Maniacs or something like that. 
And the team that won was called Stingers Missiles. It was captained by Gary Chivers. I have to ask Gary, was this the only thing he ever won in his career? <laughs> <laughs> but there were two things. In the winning team were some names very familiar to us. Um, Robert Ray, who worked for the BBC. Michael Volpe, mm. who you know well. And Cliff Auger. No they, were all in, they were all in the winning team of Stingers Missiles. And they won, as the winning team, a day in an executive box in the West End, which would be the Birmingham home game coming up the following month. And the winning question, they won on the final question. And if anyone's listening in, it'd be interesting how many people get it right. And we won't, should we tell them the answer? Or, or I know, no, we... no, you should, you should try it on me and JK. I think I know. Right. In 1979, we sold Steve Wicks. Who did we sell Steve Wicks to? Villa. Yeah. Sorry, JK? UPR. I said Villa. I think JK's you... right. No, you're both wrong. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, where did he go, smart ass? <laughs> <laughs> he went to play for Tommy Doherty. In Man U. Man U. Wrong again. Derby. Correct. Yeah. Oh, and night. then he joined QPR. Bloody hell. And that was a question that won the competition for Stingers Missiles and won them a day out in the executive box. But when People... we do the next show, 6-7, we, we put a team in and I've got a story to tell about that. So who got the right answer then? Uh, Cliff, the winning team, Cliff, Stingers Cliff, Missiles. Yeah, Cliff, Robert or, uh, or Michael. No, don't, don't know. Oh, no, Gary Chivers knew the answer. No apparently. way. Because he, he was in the team at that time, 79. Yeah, he was in the squad, first team playing squad. Yeah. Well, I would hope he would have got it right. Um, yeah. On the same day, by the way, uh, Chelsea history book, 100 Years of Chelsea, written by Rick Glanville, was published. Uh, okay, Portsmouth away next. Um, Crespo on 27 minutes, Lampard with a penalty on 67 minutes. Uh, this, this match was quite interesting, actually, because Joe Cole was on fire. Absolutely on fire. It was a feisty match. A lot of nasty fouls going on. It was Frank Lampard's 160th Premier League appearance, uh, which um, he'd done over four years, and he was he broke David James's record at the time. So considering James is a goalkeeper, that's phenomenal. Um, Jose was asked about about Lampard and his his importance to the side, given that he plays every game. He said many, many, many things. But I think the most pertinent one was, I think he was asked if he was perfect. And Jose said, well, I, I'm not going to answer that. But what I would say is I wouldn't change him for anybody in the world. A player for every game. A player for every game. Which was kind of telling, wasn't it? Um, we finish, uh, we finish, the, uh, finish, obviously, still in first position in the league. There are other kind of accolades that were not just befalling Frank, uh, um, Mark, were there? There were other, other awards in the offing. Yeah, the European Footballer of the Year, a record number of Chelsea players were nominated for European Football of the Year. So not just Frank. Um, you had Drogba, you had Czech, you had Terry, you had Makaleli, you had Robin, and you had Eshin. Granted, Eshin probably got nominated for his time at Lee on the previous season. And Lampard actually finishes runner-up as European Football of the Year. So a Chelsea player, sort of second. He finished runner-up to Ronaldinho. And a future Chelsea player, and an occasional thorn in our side, Samuel Eto'o came third. 
And uh, Frank was also second in the world rankings, the FIFA one yes, too. So, correct. Uh, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Um, you've got Soccer Idol, the, the, the result here. The result? Yeah. Yes, Soccer Idol, the result. Yeah. Um, Sam Harrell was the young lad who won a six-month contract with Chelsea Football Club. So the final part of Soccer Idol is like the final three players. And Jose is on the panel and forms part of the final decision-making process with Ray Wilkes and Neil Barth. And they give the contract to Sam Harrell. Uh, West London boy, I think he came from Ickenham, if I remember rightly. And he gets a six-month contract. But later, Jose extends that contract by a further 12 months. So he must have done something in the first six months to get the contract extension. Sadly, Sam does not make the Chelsea first team at any time. He goes on to play for Uxbridge, Woking, St Albans, Welling United, Boreham Wood. And he finishes his football playing career playing for a team in America called Jesters. I kid you not. Well, bizarre. That is totally bizarre. Right, on to... I think... I don't know. Yeah, if people <clears throat> listening in the mix, they might know. For some reason, I think Sam Harrell has been working at Chelsea. He might not be there now. I'm sure he had a job at Chelsea in more recent times in the youth setup. He might be some of the, the school kids, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. I'm sure Sam Horrell's name rings bells. He's, he's doing something in youth football at Chelsea, or has done. Mm, I do not know. Right, Dece- no, me neither. December. Uh, kicks off with Borough at home. Uh, 1-0, pretty scrappy match, as I recall. John Terry scores on 62 minutes, but it means that Chelsea are now 14 minutes clear of uh, last year's runners-up. Arsenal. Uh, points, points. What did I say? Minutes. 14 minutes, yes. Bizarre Freudian slip. Points it is then, JK. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Uh, we then got Liverpool in the return leg in the group stages of the Champions League. We've got them at home. Nil-nil again. Um, totally rubbish game. Uh, it really, really was. Of course, it meant that Liverpool won the group and that we finished second, which, of course, as we all know, means you end up getting a decent team um, in the in the next round. Um now, the thing is, that's four Champions League games against Liverpool that we failed to win and failed to score. Um, Benitez was a pain in the arse, no doubt about it. Of course, the rivalry is really ratcheting up every time we play Liverpool, uh, fueled by uh, both managers' dislike for each other. But there was something more controversial here, Mark, wasn't there, after the match? There was, um, again, trial by television. Um, Michael Essien does this rather fierce tackle on Liverpool's Haman. And after the game, the TV pick up, the press pick up on it. And on the back of that press and TV campaign, Essien ends up getting a two-match retrospective ban, which probably annoyed Jose no end, especially because it was against Liverpool. But also that's it, it's indicative of the of the media stirring something up against us. I remember at the time being deeply offended by their ability to to influence FIFA, which I thought was bang out of order. I really did. Well, because it should, it should be down to the referee and the and the, the 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 linesman. This is something almost a trial by television is something from a different era, and I just think it was it said it's it was the first time it had ever happened. Yeah, I mean it was unprecedented, as you say, J.K. But bear this in mind. He gets a two-match retrospective ban, which means he's una- unavailable for our next two-legged match in the knockout yep. stages, which, of course, is against Barcelona. Barcelona. So UEFA corrupt. Who knew? I mean, this is where it starts. Fucking UEFA. Up Barcelona's 
you know, backside completely. Disgraceful. Utterly, utterly disgraceful. Ah, anyway, we've got Wigan next at home, just to lighten the mood. Uh, again, an, a pretty scrappy 1-0. Uh, John Terry on... It's funny, isn't it, how many times in scrappy 1-0 wins, John Terry's the one that pops up with the winner, JK? From a corner. Yeah. Another, and a frank corner at that. Yeah. A number of times it got us out of, uh, out of jail. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Wigan were a good side. I mean, we'd struggled in the opening match against them, if you recall. Yeah. 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 They, uh, were drop, they were dropping down the table by now, because earlier they were second in the table. They were still top six. They were Liverpool are now oh, second. Liverpool oh, are now Jill. Liverpool are yeah. now second, and we're we're twelve points clear of them. So they've turned it around because they were mid table last time I bothered to look. It's seven consecutive league games they won. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, good knowledge, J.K. Um, right, we've got Arsenal away, which is of course, as we know, a monstrous test for for us. We never win there ever, ever, ever. But not this time. Although I have to say, um, it wasn't it wasn't plain sailing. Uh, Terry Henry hit the post. Van Persie scored a goal that was offside. Uh, but thankfully, Ian Robbins scored on 39 minutes. And I was delighted to see, because bear in mind, this is the last time we ever played at Highbury. Uh, you may recall this. If you've ever watched uh, Chelsea play Arsenal at Highbury on the TV, whenever we scored, it would be followed or would be simultaneous with a very high-pitched feminine squeal, which I, nick- I-, I called the Highbury Screamer. Just go back and watch every match we've ever played there over this period. And if we ever scored, this girl, who was clearly sitting next to or near one of the effects mics, would emit a scream. So hence the Highbury Screamer. So that was the last time I heard the Highbury Screamer. Uh, anyway, Robin scored on uh, 39 minutes. Brilliantly. Can I just say something about yeah. the goal? Yeah, yeah. His ability to get close to, to the, the touchline, um, beat, beat, beating a player. Excuse me a second. I'm being, just get rid of this. Um, um, get get to the touchline and slot the ball in from an angle into the far corner was was indicative of his brilliance. In the number of times he did that, so he had these two great skills: was ability to cut him from the right and curl the ball into the corner, and also to to chase the ball at great speed, beat somebody, get to the to the touchline. You think he can't possibly score from there, and he would just tuck it in in off the post fantastic i cannot praise robin enough as a player brilliant brilliant players you had i mean you had we had several brilliant players playing in this team but um uh from a a, a, a proponent of wing play he really was absolute top banana great great Scored finisher great goal. finisher as well jk this is kind yeah, of what, great, what you're saying great. this goal was great great once again um Joe Cole got the winner on 73 minutes hilariously brilliant goal he picks lauren's pocket who ends up on the floor and then just runs towards the Panettiere and slides it past Lame and beautiful, beaut- as Blendon Rogers might have said, a beautiful goal by a beautiful man. Um, now, that meant, Mark, didn't it, that, that we'd done the double over Arsenal for the first time in 36 years. 36 years! So there you go. You didn't make it, did you? You didn't make no, it to this one. I can't get a ticket for this one. My, my, my poor record at Arsenal continued. So, so, so many times at Highbury, saw Chelsea lose. Only ever saw us win. Once playing against Arsenal and once in the you mean, Makita. You don't, mean, you don't, yeah, go on. In the Worthington Cup? In, yeah, yeah, the Worthington Cup is the only time I ever saw Chelsea yeah. win at Highbury, the 5 0 game, uh, when Arthur Chelsea scored. And the only other time I saw us win at Highbury uh, was when we beat Makita, uh, beat Athletic Madrid in the Makita tournament in 1994. I've actually seen Chelsea win more times at the Emirates for that little time it's open compared to the number of times I've seen Chelsea lose at Ivory. Well, but I think the other, the other thing remarkable about this is 
we finished 20 points ahead of Arsenal at this point in the season already. And in 18 months earlier, they were the invincibles. Yeah, and that short, this is, this is the impact Mourinho made. Like Arsenal in 2003-04, when we finished runner-up with Ranieri's manager in that first season under Abramovich, within 18 months, Mourinho had turned that 11-point gap at the end of the season to a 20-point difference with Chelsea, you know, the benefit of the 20 points, in 18 months. I think the only player Arsenal lost during that period of time who moved on was Patrick Vieira, who, granted, was an absolutely brilliant player for Arsenal. But it was pretty much the same Arsenal, Bergkamp, Henri, etc. Yeah, that was the impact Mourinho had. As we said earlier, he came along and upset the new world order. Yeah, definitely did. I mean, a 30-point swing is incredible, isn't it? Um, in 18 months. In 18 yeah. months, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's unprecedented, unheralded, and it's never really been done since. OK, Fulham, next. JK, your favourite match of the season. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. I, I, maybe your favourite match of the season is Fulham away, but this is Fulham at home. Um, this was a bit Boxing of a... Day. Yeah, Boxing, Boxing Day. Yeah, Boxing Day. Were you there? I presume so. Of course I was there. I don't know if I was, actually, because quite often Boxing Day, I had to be down in the Shire and it was all a bit difficult to get away from my family. But uh, this was a bit of a turn up for the books, this one, wasn't it? This was no by, by no means an easy an easy win. We win 3-2, but it wasn't straight oh, They're forward. always up for it. They're always up for it. You know, we're our na- they're our neighbours. Mm. They, we, We're part of their... Um, we are Fulham, we are Fulham, we are Fulham FFC, we are Fulham, we are Fulham, we are Fulham, fuck Chelsea. Mm. That's... That's in their in their 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 song that they sing at the beginning of the game. In the same way, I suppose that we sing "We Hate Tottenham." Apparently, which well, we, we sing "Small Shop in Knightsbridge." You're just a small shop in Knightsbridge, don't we? Well, we used to do that in those one. days. We would oh, have done. Elf, we did. In, yeah, we did back five. then. Yeah. yeah. Can I say that the opening no goal... F in Fulham? There's no F in Fulham. There's Go one on. F in Fulham. It's one F in Fulham. Sorry. Yeah. Can yeah. I say that the 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 interesting thing about the the opening goal? was clearly a ploy that they used from then on quite a lot, which was whoever headed the ball from the corner, you'd have Gallus nipping in on the goal line to to stuff it into the net. So even if the ball was going wide, and he was really on top of this, and he did this, I think, five times in the season from now on. Mm. He just kept getting in and flicking the ball in from a header that was directed goalwards that was unlikely to go in, that would just be kicked off the line or was heading towards the goalkeeper. Very, very clever. He loved it, Gallus doing that. He was there exactly for that. And that was the first goal. And the second one we got from a uh, Lamps shot, another great shot outside the area. Deflection. What a surprise. However, we then get, it's all turned round by um, uh, a Boa Morte, the dead snake, as they used to call him, um, free kick um, that goes through Czech's legs. I mean, for goodness sake, what was going on, Petr Czech? And then McBride, who was a decent centre-forward, turns in. And then uh, McBride is chopped down by Cole. It's a penalty 2-2. But then um, Cole comes in and an absolutely brilliant third goal with a superb curling cross from Joe Cole that just goes behind the defender. And Crespo oh, volleys in from the left, left-footed. Brilliant, brilliant goal. I mean, that, that cross was astonishing. Because it was a long, it was a long ball up to Cole on the right, which he chased down, and he yeah. just he 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 bent it round the defender, yeah. And and Crespo just comes in and, and volleys it with his left foot. I mean, it was just fucking beautiful, wasn't it? It was so two-footed, Crespo, left, right yeah. foot, head. I mean, just quite. But Cole's Cole's cross, J.K. 
Yeah, it was wonderful. wonderful. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. Um, That's why I mixed it up early when we were talking about the real Bessis game. I was thinking of the Joe, yeah. Joe Cole but, but, and Sean Wright Phillips and Bessis. Very similar. Yeah. Two very similar goals for Presto. Yeah. Real Bessis, Sean Wright Phillips has a brilliant cross. He heads it in. Fulham, Joe Cole does a brilliant cross. He half volleys it in. Just, you know, again, coming back to Crespo time and time again, the goals he got during the course of this season. Yeah, and dead. that wins the game for us. You're yeah. dead right. Um, Just a point of order. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, JK, but Bounder Frydale has it down as um, McBride's goal, Fulham's first goal, and uh, Heider Helgerson scored the penalty on 56. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was McBride. No, no. no, McBride scored the first. Helgerson scored the second from a penalty. Um, there you go. Uh, now, Mark, there was a lovely little story you, you, you can share with us, I think. Oh, this is a lovely touch by Chelsea. Real real class. Uh, Abramovich has only been in charge, new regime, a very short period of time, a couple of years. And for this particular game, I, I don't know what the significance maybe the Fulham game was, they invite Albert Sewell back to be guest editor of the match programme for the day. Now, if you know your Chelsea, you know your history, you'll know that Albert Sewell edited the Chelsea programme from 1949 to 1978 when a certain Hugh Hastings took over from Albert. Over, and yeah. it, it was Albert who designed the whole concept of a Chelsea match day programme that we know and love today, that magazine style. I think it was Portsmouth at home in the 49-50 season. And yeah, Albert then after he left Chelsea, he went and worked for BBC Match of the Day. And you might remember when Des Lynham presented the show, he often, when he's talking about stats, kept referring to our Albert. So Albert's in, in the background there, sort of pulling information together. I thought, really classy thing by Chelsea to invite Albert Saw back, who sadly you know, is no longer with us, but a big part of the sort of Chelsea programme history. Absolutely lovely touch, as you said. Um, next up, we've got Man City away. Uh, pretty tough match this one. Um, notable really for uh, a Joe Cole goal again on 79 minutes uh, for David James fouling Drogba, but no penalty being given. I will com- I will refer you to my honourable member J.K. on that in a minute. Really scrappy game, but we toughed it out. The other interesting thing about this there was no Frank Lampard because he had a cold and didn't play, so his record ended at 164 games. J.K. Yes, absolutely right. Um, uh, a definite penalty on Drogba, but I think we'd got to the stage of the season now where I think the the media frenzy to try and find fault with us that we were cheating bastards who seemed to have um, uh, um, and the desire to undermine our, our um, inevitable run towards a second title in two years um, was, uh, was was you could see it manifesting itself on the pitch with. Um, uh, Didier being obviously kicked to the ground and all the City players rushed over and got in his face and berated him for diving. And Robin was having exactly the same problem. And Joe Cole had had, had exactly the same problem um, two matches before. Portsmouth, wasn't it? Portsmouth, yeah. And in this fact, was... actually, JK, in that Portsmouth match, he did yeah. get fouled in the penalty area and yes. he told the referee not to give a penalty. Exactly, because he was affected by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And the referee then gave it outside the penalty area when it was in the penalty area because the referee had given the foul because it was a foul. But you could see that the whole, all of them were being affected by this. Referees were being suspicious. They were they were thinking, oh, I, I uh, all Chelsea players 
are feigning because that those were the stories in the in the press and robin was the worst victim of that and i think it actually it it, it one of the reasons he, he ultimately left not only his injury problems but he was he just was it, there were big articles about it, robin dives i think he was even asked in several post-match interviews why do you dive as was drogba drogba was uh, asked exactly the same thing so this was a this was an absolute um uh, a, a, a means of discussing of, of of this was a news story that they were all running with um and uh, um uh, but it was it, 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 it consequently you had definite penalties like this drogba one in this game against man city not given by the referee and then it also the other way was you you'd suddenly discover some players were going into tackles which weren't particularly foul tackles and chelsea players were being sent off but we will get get into that further along. We will indeed. That's a very exciting part of the show, which I'm really looking forward to because it is quite bizarre. But we'll say no more about it now. Apart from the fact that we end the year um, playing Birmingham at home, um, where we won 2-0. Another Crespo goal, Mark, and another Robin goal, 25 minutes and 43 minutes respectively. It meant that we had now won every league game since defeat at Old Trafford, where apparently we were having a blip, Mark. Yeah, good good way to end the year. And as we said on last time around show, Birmingham were a sort of hard nut to crack. They were a sort of difficult team. They had some good players in Birmingham that you know they, they would never sort of set the upper echelons of the Premier League alight. And this particular season they were struggling down the bottom. But you know, they had players like Matthew Upson, you know, they had Mark Taylor in goal. You know, Nicky Butt by now was playing for Birmingham City in midfield. Um, they had Emil Heskey up front. They weren't a bad side, so they made us work for it. But again, you know, Crespo pops up, scores one, Robin gets another. But we finished the year, not just in first place, 11 points clear with 55 points ahead of Man United. Who are Do you know, I'm sorry second. to butt in, Mark. 11 yeah. points clear and 55 on, with 55 points, exactly what we did last season. Yeah, equaling last season's point tally, we're in exactly the same place as we were a year earlier. And as we said, team at the top of the league at the end of the year usually goes on and wins the league. We've had one draw, one defeat, and remarkably, that incredible home record we had at Stamford Bridge, penalty shootouts against John excluded, 11 games at home, we've won the lot. And the other significant stat, during the, the year... 2005 we played 38 games and 101 points we've acquired that is a hell of a figure and again you know we're going to talk about other things another thing that isn't talked about enough the year 2005 we were just phenomenal Chelsea Football Club a brilliant side can I just say that the composition of the league was very interesting at that period because it's 17 years ago but the following teams were playing in the Premier League who, who do not play there anymore. Bolton, Charlton, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Wigan, Blackburn, Birmingham, West Brom and Portsmouth. And it goes to see the, goes to show the, the evolution of sides over the years who've had vast injections of money, which has enabled them to, to leapfrog these teams who haven't been as well um, um, monetized. That's that's half the league, J.K. Yeah, I'm going to say it's half the nine league. teams. Yeah. yeah, you know, out of that, yeah. just take away Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, City, West Ham, Newcastle, 
uh, Villa and Everton. That's what you're left with. And you would say all of those clubs there are big clubs. Yeah. Well-funded big other, clubs. I think the other thing as well is some of those teams who were Premier League clubs during this season and sometimes for a season after, once they went, they haven't come back. Never bounced back, no. Well, Sunderland. They've never bounced back. Yeah, Sunderland, Portsmouth, yeah, both in the third, weren't they? Yeah, yeah West Brom being a yo-yo club. Yeah, but Sunderland and Portsmouth now are in the third, third division. Fulham are back, obviously, now in, in the Premier League again, but how, how long for? Charlton. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these clubs now are languishing in what we'd call the third division. Yeah. Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. yeah, Bolton Wanderers went down to the fourth. Yeah. Wigan. Wigan, another team as well. In yeah, fact, a lot, of them, a lot of them nearly went out of business. Portsmouth nearly went out of business. Sunderland nearly went out of business. Well, they overextended, yeah, didn't they? And the, well, that's yeah. the point, isn't it? Bolton, the same, very nearly went out of business. Wigan, very nearly went out of business. And it's it just shows you what a precarious league the Premier League is unless you get massive backers with money. You know, prop, and, proper and, ones. And more success and success. So well, you yeah. don't get into Europe. Yeah, exactly that. There you go. What a propitious way to end uh, the first part of the Chelsea Fancast, 50 Years of Chelsea, the 2005-2006 season, if I can get my teeth in. Uh, We'll be back for part two, uh, where we pick up the story in January uh, of 2006 and uh, take it all the way up to the last game that we played in May. Well, we all know, I mean, it's not a spoiler alert, we all know we win the league again, but we'll be there to talk to you about that uh, after this very elongated break. But until then, uh, thank you very, very much for listening. Thanks to JK. Joy to be on, as always. And uh, delight to see Mark Meehan as well with his stories. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. And we will be back for part two shortly. Until then, up the chills. Up the chills. chills. Keep it blue. Keep it chills. Keep it chills. Yeah. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.